Hello and welcome to another edition of the TetraCast, our first of the next-gen, now-current-gen edition for at least some of us, not named George. Sorry, George. Wow, okay, cool. We're starting <laughs> off with this, that's good. Uh, I've literally Oof. just woken up, ready to record the podcast. Uh, I'm excited to see what we think about the PlayStation 5 and maybe the Xbox. I don't know if we'll, I don't know if we'll hit that one this week. Uh, but I am your host, Brian Vitelli. Joining me today, we've got Josh Torres. Does this podcast now have ray tracing? Uh, <laughs> only in uh, visual mode. Whatever that one was. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, yeah. High, high fidelity mode or something. Yes. Yeah. Uh, we have Adam Vitali. Hello. We've got James Glizio. Unfortunately, the TetraCast does not come with Tempest Audio support. <laughs> ah, maybe next Dang. gen. And we have George Foster stuck in uh, last gen. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, yeah. I, I'm only teasing you because I know you can. Uh, I know you can take it. If you if you don't understand the context, he's over uh, across the Atlantic, so PS5 is next week for him. Very exciting Thursday, right? I've been yeah. I've been looking forward to hearing what you guys have to say about it because I've mostly been avoiding impressions because I kind of want to have that magic of opening it out of the box. But yeah, hit me with it. Tell me how oh, it you, you need to get a bodybuilder to get it out of the box. Is it that is it that like jammed in there? It's okay. It's so it's surprisingly dense. Like it's well packaged, but like when you actually like pick up the console, it's like it's weightier than you think it is. Uh, when as you see it, so you you take it out, then you need lift it. A lot of it is like very bottom heavy. Um, jeez, oh, it's, it's what we in the business like to call an absolute unit. Just yeah, <laughs> it is. It, we've seen it like. Uh, time and time again throughout the the months but it's just like it doesn't really register with you until like you you're carrying it and you, like, you set it down like like i have like a small like drawer table for it just like it, it just takes just up thugs. that whole entire I knew it would be big i was expecting it to be the biggest console that i own and then when i got it it's like holy shit <laughs> This thing is gigantic, and it's, it's especially great because, like, my roommate, like, when he saw it, his reactions were just like, "Why is it so huge?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's everyone's reaction. Like when I took photos of it, they're like, "Uh," because because I took a, a comparison photo of it, like where uh, my current uh, setup is. So it's like right by my switch on that little drawer table. It like takes up like ninety five percent of that surface space. On my switch is like. I don't know. I'm just chilling out here. Do you have it horizontal or uh, vertical? Hey, James. Yep. James? Do you have it horizontal <laughs> or vertical? I have it uh, horizontal. Okay. Not because I not because I wanted to, but because of necessity. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. not the only one. So I'm one of those weirdos that likes to play most things at my desk. Like, I'm the opposite of a couch gamer. There are, there are dozens of us. And my plan is to like put it like on my desk because I have like one of those L-shaped corner desks, so I've got plenty of space. But still, I'm wondering like having this like monolithic behemoth white tower sitting in like a corner of it, how that's gonna look, or maybe maybe I'll have to rethink it once I put it up there and realize no, that's no good. It's kind of menacing. Every time I look back at it, I'm like, I there's there's something's not off about it. It's just like I just can't get over how big it is. I know it'll probably be fine in two weeks, but. Right now, I'm just like, nothing should be this big. Like, that doesn't come here. I was hoping <laughs> that once I saw it, like in my setup, I would like how it looked a bit more. But now I probably like it less. Like whoever does, like 
Sony's like packaging shots or PR shots for the system really did put um, painted in the best possible way. It just, in my opinion, it's an ugly, it's an ugly um, thing. I, I, I kind of like how, how ugly it is. Though. <laughs> There's like the, the, the asymmetricalness of it is kind of like, it, it, it's so, it's not something you're used to looking and yet you can't like stop looking at it once you like look back once at it. it. Oh, sorry, I, I cut you off. No, I was I was just trying to finish your sentence for you, but I obviously I don't have one yet, so I haven't really seen it in person. Uh, of course, I'm a I'm a boring person, I guess. So I'm like, man, why can't they just have made it like a big rectangle? Why do they have to have like these airfoils <laughs> on it, or what are these? I things? love it. It looks it looks like when you say next gen, and this is an eye roller, but it looks next gen. Like you look at it, like oh, that's a bit of space tech. Like I don't think that will last, but right now it's like oh my god, it's from it's from Mars. If anything, I I think uh, people still have yet to test if like if you can like vape out the 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 smoke that you vape into it. Like, oh yes, <laughs> does it does, yeah. is it is it engineered to to uh, quote unquote catch fire in the way that the Xbox is? <laughs> so obviously, uh, that... in this first section of the podcast, we normally go through about games we've been playing. So obviously, I think it's just natural to kind of let either James or Josh take it uh you know take it away. You can kind well, of fight over it, I suppose, about what you've been playing on your... Uh, I actually feel like we should probably talk about the non-PlayStation 5 stuff we've been playing first, and then like talk about PlayStation 5 moving into like talking about like the news this week. That's just uh, me, though. I'm not sure how Josh ramp, feels. Ramp up, ramp up into it, I suppose? Yeah. Oh, whatever you guys want to do, I'm fine with either way. Hmm. Cool. All right. Who wants to start uh, off? All right. I, I, I will start off. Like, uh, I put up a okay. review for Sakuna of Rice and Ruin on the site earlier this week. I think it's a really uh, charming game. It's from the, the developers at Edelweiss. They're like a Japanese indie game company. This uh, game first uh, was shown off like at a comic market uh, at about in Japan like three years ago or something. And that, that's like a really big, important convention over there. For uh, several, you know, Japanese communities like uh, sharing, you know, uh, fan-made stuff and uh, important for indies as well, um, like showing off prototypes of games. A lot of them, like you know, are very simplistic looking. Some of them are rough. Some of them are in development. Some, like uh, sometimes they sell like you know, um, like like C like CDs over there of like in development games and um, j- gathering feedback. So that was first shown there, and then you know, over the years as this game was uh, brewing. The eventually Exceed and Marvelous came into a partnership with Edelweiss and whatnot, and it's a really it uh, cool game. Like I, I don't want people to be discouraged about this game because of like the the six I put on the side. I, I think when I score something as a six, like I think it's pretty good. There are things holding it back for me, like fundamentally, but I think it's still a really cool, charming game. This game is like a that hybrid action RPG uh, side scroller. Uh, mixed with farming, so you go through these through these stages as Sakuna, who's this harvesting goddess. She was exiled to this uh, island full of demons, and you have to kind of scope out the island, uh, find out like you know what's causing them to appear, and that's kind of her, um, like her redemption period of like okay to make up for this, you have to do this, and she's stuck there with uh, other uh, villagers. Uh, not villagers, uh, other folk that came with her because when she was exiled there from the land of the gods, um, the main reason for it was she let these people wander around and roam there. And uh, 
she caused a ruckus like they, they were doing some um festival or like offering for a god and then she messed up the dole offering and whatnot so she's exiled there with the other folks and they're it's basically kind of like a half the tone of the story is very like charming and yet it's so, uh, grim at the same time because at the end of the day they're kind of off to fend for themselves at this island and to do that like you have to learn how to farm and you 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 will become you will know everything there is to know about like the steps to farming rice after you play a little bit of this game because this is very thorough about its uh farming mechanics from tilling the land planting the seeds um tending to uh, to you know what you've planted uh, adding fertilizer and making sure weeds and pests aren't there and uh managing water levels uh, at certain types of this uh seasons at certain points of the seasons uh to make sure that it's growing in a healthy manner and to, after uh, go sorry, for it. i just i just have two comments one i do yeah. i'm glad that you brought up that it sounded a little bit grim because i wasn't really expecting that like i see all the marketing for this i'm like oh it's a farming sim plus adventure like raw <laughs> like you describe it like a failed sacrificial offering to a deity and I'm like wait what like are we talking uh -huh. about again yeah um and then, and then i also my, my second comment was just that um mm -hmm. just on at the beginning you talked about how you scored it a six but how what that meant to you uh we i think we all kind of have like a different you know a six a seven a five all means different things to us which is why you should read the text whenever you see a review don't just read the number mm -hmm. yeah. um to, yeah to me a six is like oh this game is fine like it, it does some things well you know it's you know it's i don't hate it it's fine. It's, you know, it does some things that I would consider good and then some things I would consider not good. Like it's, that's exactly what like a, a middle of the road score, like a six is to me. So mm -hmm. some people think, and, think of that much more negatively than that. I feel. Yeah. I agree with you up to your first point. Like there was even like a, a, a whole crazy cutscene um, early on in the game where you come back to your settlement uh, and then, the 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 people that you're with they're they're thinking about expanding you know the field to you know gain more yield and whatnot so your band of people are very distrust distrustful about each other at first like they're they're they have issues with each other they get mad easily at each other they're very like oh I can't stand this person so there's this whole extended cutscene where like uh they were like getting fed up like having to plant seeds. And like for a good, like maybe two minutes, I, I want to say half, a minute and a half to two minutes, um, that there was this guy uh, among them that wanted to turn around the move. So he suggests, you know, do, do, we should sing together as we're planting this, like lift the lift up the mood. Like there was even there was a point that there was a little girl with you, like and, and a baby, and like the, the the baby, like you know, was pulling around the little girl, like smacked the baby, like oh man, this this needs to. Everyone needs to calm down. So for like a minute and a half to two minutes, they were just singing this song as they were planting seeds to try, try to like band together, like a sense of camaraderie together of like just trying to survive on this island because that nothing's going to happen if they all just turn against each other. And like the only way to survive is to just rely on one another. It's all we have. So it was a really weird touching moment or early point in the game where it was just like, that's, that's a really cool way to like, kind of linger on this scene I'll, some people might find this annoying but i kind of appreciate that it lingers on this song and they're just it's just it just the scene keeps on going as they're planting the seeds bit by bit by bit and that was 
that 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 was pretty cool and uh, I, I was i was talking about a little bit about uh the, the farming process uh earlier too so after you harvest your your uh the rice you have to go through the process of threshing it then you have to go through the process of like pounding it to from brown rice to white rice or you can keep brown rice or not whatnot because there's different benefits to that but it, it all revolves around like this meticulous tending to rice and also gathering resources from different uh no uh, the different stages to kind of, kind of expand like what you can do at your home base so you can gather like materials to go craft new weapons or new uh accessories for your character you can uh gather resources to uh, to use as fertilizer to gather resources as ingredients for cooking because like health regen is a very limited thing in this game because every day when you start a new day uh sakuna has like this fullness meter uh that'll uh deplete uh as the day goes on and that and that fullness meter uh affects like the the stat benefits and the health regen she gets from eating the night before so there's a very finite amount of time you can um go around uh and spend the day um as... it sounds like they really don't shy away from the simulation aspects yeah it's it's it's, a, it's very there's a lot of survival mechanics to it and and as it turns to night you don't want to be out at night because uh, enemies get more deadly uh i think it like dying light almost uh where they just have like raised stats they become much more aggressive and it you can't see until you get a certain like item in the game where it starts lighting up the night a little um but i i really do enjoy uh did enjoy my time with it. I really like the the combat mechanics because it's very fluid. Like you can uh, bounce around, and it's very physics based with how you manipulate enemies. Because um, Sakuna has this like divine rhymeant, and it's kind of, it kind of works as a scarf where you can like cling to enemies or cling to surfaces and swing around them. Or there are other skills where you can like fling them to other enemies. And she and her and her arsenal is like with farming tools, so like hoes, sickles, uh, and whatnot. And it's very it's it's not as like fleshed out as something like Devil May Cry, but it's it gets pretty close enough with like how you launch enemies into the air, do air juggles, and there's a a cool mechanic where they can crash into like surfaces or other enemies. So like you can say I launch an enemy and then I do a combo to fling them back down. If they hit another enemy, uh, they might ping pong back to me so I can continue my combo and then whatnot, and then maybe fling them to another crowd and then take care of that it's very the combat feels really satisfying in this game i just think that i really like the depth of it but it it feels like it's one too much because it feels so restrictive what you do uh, on a day-by-day basis in this game which is a little bit part of the point but it feels too it felt too restrictive uh, throughout the whole game because like for example um when i was doing when i was doing fighting bosses the time is always going in this game. Like the day is always passing by. So as you're fighting a boss, the time will continue to pass by. If you're at day's end and you barely started this boss fight, there's a good chance it'll turn to night in the middle of that boss fight. It's just like, oh, I cannot like reasonably beat this boss because I do way too little damage because of the 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 transfer to night. And also like it just hits me like once or two shots me. And that that just feels kind of stressful it feels bad yeah it feels stressful it feels bad 
And the only way you level up this game is not through beating enemies or grinding through enemies. It's through your rice harvest. The better you are at farming rice, the the better uh, level ups you'll get. And that'll so level ups are very um, they take a while because growing rice takes a while. You have to basically go through three seasons of managing how to make rice and making sure that you harvest it before winter comes. And then you you have to deal with you know no no rice at all uh throughout the winter until it's the conditions are good again to start planting again so i think it's a, a really cute game i really enjoyed my time with it. it's a very different type of game than what you've seen other like kind of hybrid farming and action rpg uh games on the market um but if you're if you're looking for that kind of game it's i would definitely recommend giving it a shot uh, it's hard to say if it, like, it'll be for you until you know until you really get into it, because it's so different from the others. But I think it's it was a it was a nice, cute, charming game. Yeah, it's it sounds like it definitely takes like a different tack compared to other farming sims like Summer and Mara. Was that the one that came out earlier this year? Uh, where it, mm-hmm. it just seems like it's really light and breezy, and you know, char- like you already used the word charming, but and then this one has you know, this is a, a game about banding together on on this island that, that with people that you don't always get along with and then you know have these combat encounters where deadly creatures come out at night it just seems like it's a little bit like tuned slightly differently in terms of it's like uh just the way it presents itself just a little bit less fanfare and a little bit more brilliant. yeah it's it's kind of it's kind of a weird um contradiction to itself like of how it, it it looks like it looks like a great like you know a very cutesy type of game and then you get it, it's like oh my god i'm like fending for my life <laughs> yeah that's a good that's a good phrase for it. fending for your life while hunting monsters and farming rice <laughs> at least the way you've described it yes so we do have that review up on the uh website and then i guess we'll use this to hand it off to the other review that went up uh just a couple days ago or late late last week so george uh talk to us about melody of memory Woohoo! Uh, finally, time. How? Which uh, I How left off the it? I left off the series title, but Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. <laughs> next <laughs> yeah. the next main line. If, if yeah, I'm there, cheering, are no, then... there, there are no uh, there are no spinoffs in the series. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I loved it. The, the, it seems so redundant. What I want to talk about with Melody of Memory is the story content, which I'm obviously not going to do because it's literally only came out yesterday for most people. Um, so I think next week you'll hear me uh, press on about that. But for now, I'll say really, really Kingdom Hearts. Like I don't, I don't know if any of you have played at all or seen anything that's going on with it, but the ending is very eye-rolling and you're laughing and you're like, oh God, this is so Nomura. And like that, that's what I wanted from it. Um, I remember saying, I think it must have been a couple of podcasts ago, I was like, my only concern is to do the story and how they treat uh, Kingdom Hearts 3, but I'm happy with the story and not so happy with how the third game gets treated. And I get why, because... What, what do you mean by that? So basically, there are two main types of like tracks that you can play in the game. Uh, the field battle ones, which are like all the ones that you've seen in the demo, where you're running along, you're jumping, you're attacking, heartless, like to the beat, and those those are really really cool. Like 
non-stop fun, really replayable. Uh, I've been playing it still every day, just just for fun now. And to, uh, to backtrack a little bit, this is not like your typical Kingdom Hearts game. This is like a rhythm action yeah, game that, like, from the theatrhythm Final Fantasy folks. This is not like your action RPG affair from standard Kingdom Hearts games. No, it's basically Kingdom Hearts theatrhythm. Like that's that's the best sort of comparison. But it's done in a very cool way. So when you're playing these music tracks, they take place in the world that the song's from, and they show the Heartless from that world. And you're running along and you're attacking Heartless to the beat and you're jumping over them and you're gliding along. And in a weird way, even though it's not close to Kingdom Hearts gameplay, it feels like it. It has a really cool trick of like all those elements combine and you're seeing this like overview of these worlds that you know. And in a way, you almost do feel like you're playing Kingdom Hearts. It's just a really cool uh, way, way that they've done it. Um, and that's like the main, about 70% of the game is like that. And then they have these uh, tracks called Memory Dives, which you've probably seen in the trailers. And in, in those ones, you just glide along as clips play in the background. And it, it sort of feels lazy compared to the other half of the game, which is like these really well-done field battles that feel like they've had like a lot of thought put into them. It's just like a clip show for the Memory Dives. And yeah. unfortunately, like quite a few of like my favorite tracks are all relegated to memory dives. So you, like all the main character themes, like you've got Sora, Kairi, Riku, they're all memory dive tracks instead of the field battle ones. Um, and that that's kind of annoying, but you know, it makes sense. It's trying to show how the characters progress. It only bugged me a lot when it got to, I, you go through the main campaign, you're going through the worlds, uh, you go like game by game. So you start off at Kingdom Hearts one and then you go to, uh, chain of memories and then you go to two and then you can go to birth by sleep and dream drop distance and you're going through those and i remember i was talking about it on the staff chat i was like oh my god i'm nearly uh, i'm nearly at kingdom hearts 3 like i'm really intrigued to how they're going to handle this like are they going to demake the world are they going to put them on like sort of relative like tracks or is it just going to be memory dives all the way and sadly it's memory dives all the way uh until the final world where they do like something a bit more clever with it which I won't talk about here yet, but yeah. So you go, you go into the first world, which is the Toy Story one. It's like, oh, let's see what's going to happen, and it's like, oh, it's just the clips, and it's only the one track, and it's like that for like only about half of the worlds that are in Kingdom Hearts three. And it was yeah, like, this is this is a weird one because like Kingdom Hearts is like theatrism. Final Fantasy had a very like fleshed out structure because uh, Final Fantasy themes are structured like in a very like concrete way like when you have field uh like music in final fantasies they had they're relegated to that uh field type of gameplay in theater then where you're walking around going through the beat as you're exploring around and then if it's like a battle bgm like a battle on the big bridge it's always like a, a battle theme and and you're actually like fighting monsters to like the beat and making sure like you know you're you're kind of mitigating damage as you're dealing damage and pulling off all these skills and it you knew what to expect because oh this is a, a battle bgm from a final fantasy game it'll be a battle type of gameplay and then like all like the opening themes and any themes like say melodies of life would be kind of like that memory dive-esque gameplay from um melody of memory where it'd have like the fmv sequences and it's kind of it's kind of like a project diva light-esque uh interface where you're just it only has like buttons coming off from off screen and then you have to 
match the buttons and like you know mm. trace the buttons from what i remember so and i was i was kind of wondering like how that would be treated in uh kingdom uh, kingdom hearts adjacent type of game because it, there it's all very fluid unlike uh, final fantasy where it's very uh, like rigidly structured like you know not, not in a bad way but it, you knew what what you were gonna get when, when it came to tracks like this and how you and how you were saying like oh man this is kind of weird how they relegated this track to this type of song because it would fit like in this type of gameplay instead it's, it's really it's really a shame as well because i know a lot of Kingdom Hearts 3's music was sort of remixes of older songs, but like it did have like loads of original ones, especially for the Disney worlds. And the few that do appear here are really, really good. So I sat there, I was like, okay, maybe you'll unlock more, but there just aren't that many. Uh, it's just a shame. I, I get why it had to be done. Because do you feel, yeah, do, do you feel that it's like, do you see, do you feel that the, do you see the gears behind the scenes of like, oh, there's no way they could have gotten this track from, like, say, I don't know if this is in the game, like, say, Mulan or, or something, because it would just be, like, it's just, there's so many copyrights to it, or this can't, or, or they were only able to get, like, Lion King and Little Mermaid or something. There's, it'd be way too much to try to get more of these Disney themes in there. Well, there are a few examples of that. So there's obviously no Tarzan. Um, there's no Pirates of the Caribbean, which was weird, because, like, that, that, they actually have some really good. Uh, tunes and that as well but there are a few examples of that but I roll my eyes when it's like okay like maybe some of them have licensing difficulties and I'm like yeah but did I really need all of Let It Go like are you really going to miss yeah, I, was about, I, I was about to ask like, did they have Frozen in it yeah like this is a this is a small one that I only bugged me the other day after I'd written the review and it's it's petty but Simple and Clean is not the full version of the song which I should oh, know wow. because I've listened to that song in the shower like a billion times. Like this full <laughs> song is like three minutes long. In the game, it's like one and a half minutes, which you could argue is because, okay, you don't want to be sitting there playing a, a song for like three minutes. Why would you? But then Let It Go is like the full length. It's the full thing. So it's, it, it's little stuff like that in the same way that Kingdom Hearts 3 did it where Frozen feels like it got preferential treatment because it's Frozen, but no one wanted Frozen that bad. Like that, that's just like a, a small semi-rant. But I get it, 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 in, those, in, the, in those instances, like it feels like it, it feels like uh, not necessarily a betrayal, but it feels like it's doing a disservice to like to what's supposedly supposed to be a celebration of killing Kingdom Hearts music. Hey, like, yeah. I was gonna say, like that's a that's a Disney song through and through, where Simple and Clean is like tethered, you know, in a you know, what's the like? I'm trying to think of like the superlative, like you can't unlink that from Kingdom Hearts. That's yeah, that's the then, that's then, song, yeah. And then you and they gave you like the like the they almost gave you like the anime the anime OP version and not the full length version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just kind of like, well, oh, that's not the decision I would have made. That might be because it was a field track version of Simple and Clean. They do have a memory dive one as well, so I might have to go back and check and see if maybe the memory dives are just longer because they're more simple. But I, I don't know. I, I get completely why they had to do it because they chose to replicate most of the kingdom hearts games style so they went okay we can do kingdom hearts one all the way up to dream drop distance and have them look like the battles in the games or we can do it so it looks like the chibi avatars that you see in the loading screens and have more songs from the third game and they i guess they chose to have it like like they've done which works really well for most of the game but then you get to the end and it just feels like almost tacked on like I would, I would have much preferred they give it like maybe even another year. Like I, I would have happily waited another year, found out about it at the end of this year, 
or even next year and have it have more content from like my personal favorite game in the series like and there's so much good music there so that that's that's a bit of a it's a bit of a shame it, it wasn't enough to put me off playing the game like I've, I've still been playing it all the time that i can and it's still like fantastic fun but just be warned if you're a big fan of the third game fantastic finny fun <laughs> do, you think, uh, do you think they're gonna do, do like a melody of memory 2.5 358 by 2 <laughs> final chapter prologue to this game well as much fun as how funny that would be but they've already said like yeah this is it like we want this to be the full experience no dlc uh maybe a sequel like in the next saga of the series that'd be awesome but like for now if you want to hear uh i can't think of a song from the third game if you want to hear some of the parts of the characters, no. <laughs> um, I, I feel like I'm not sure if even giving the game more time would have fixed the problems you have with it with the Kingdom uh, Hearts three content because it really does sound like the core of the issue is, is that since it came out on Switch, they couldn't really do anything else besides the uh, like memory dives and whatnot. Yeah. Well, that that's that is something I took into consideration especially before release when I was like, okay, like if it's going to be on the switch, then it kind of has to run on both. And that's fair because the more people that can play it, the better, but plus then, as disappointing as it might be for the Kingdom Hearts three songs, there's still well over a hundred songs in the game, which well, yeah, but th- this is, part, like, this is where... game, that's like up there with the uh, largest. So okay. I all right, I'm a I'm a Nintendo fan. I've never, uh, let's say I'm a Nintendo fan, and I've never played a Kingdom Hearts game, and I love my Switch. I'm like, oh yeah, finally Kingdom Hearts is coming to Switch. Is Melody of Memory like a, a great starting point for for Kingdom Hearts? Well, so several points there. But I'm almost like, oh god, what do I want to talk about first? Uh, I would say no. I would say the Melody of Memory it exists as the near perfect fan celebration so the everyone who's a fan of kingdom hearts it is like awesome like no matter the little issues you have of it like you will get emotional playing these songs and you will be like oh my god kingdom hearts like i always am with everything but if you're new to it then yeah the music of kingdom hearts is like undeniably loved by a lot of people just because it's it's like it has a stellar soundtrack but uh, i feel like maybe paying like 60 dollars for a rhythm game if you don't like kingdom hearts and you're not invested in the story i think maybe you'd probably be making a mistake there uh Kyrie does recap all of the events of the story but like i could recap all the events of kingdom hearts and it, it, it wouldn't necessarily make sense like you really do have to play through them yourself to piece it together and, and just saying oh sora decided that he didn't need a, a keyblade his friends for his power like you can recap it but that actual moment means so much more if you've played through it and like when you're actually watching the scene than hearing Kyrie go yeah that happened so i i think it's effective it's uh, it's up and down it's so difficult to to recommend someone who's not a fan to fans like yeah completely go get it like straight away whatever console you'll love it but and and to james's point as well i said this in my review but it feels so petty to be like well where, where's my version of the Pirates of the Caribbean battle theme, even though there's 140 <laughs> other songs? Like, you, you sound like a child, but like, it's only because it's so noticeable when you get later into the game because there's so much content before. And then you get to the end, it's like, why does Toy Story have one song? And why does uh, the Tangled World have one song? And, you know, like, it's just stuff like that. 
Um, it is, uh, when Kyrie summarizes the the recap, is it like is she flippant and does she does she have like a little bit of personality? To it? It's like oh, Soros being dumb that one time when he did this, this, and this. No, okay. it's 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 just it's the same way they did it in Kingdom Hearts Three, where they had the option for Chirpy to read like the plot summaries. Like it, it, it it's it's as simple it's, as that. It's, it's I'm just imagining dry. now. I'm just imagining now. Like during the events of the first game, I was basically comatose <laughs> the entire time. During the events of the second game, I was in a jail cell. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, I, I won't get into it because spoilers again. Like prepare for a rant next week, but this isn't Kyrie's game. I, I would have loved to have come away and said, "Yeah, Kyrie, Kyrie owns this." Well, but she's on, she's on the cover. This I know. I'm not gonna say that. <laughs> oh, she, she has some cool scenes, and there are some little things with her, but she isn't playable. Like, I'm putting an asterisk there. Find out next week. She's not playable. She doesn't have her own team. She, you know, she just recaps a story. The ending leaves a lot to be desired for her progression, depending on how you feel about it. But personally, I was there like, oh God, people are going to be angry at this. Um, so yeah, that it's little stuff like that that made me walk away and go like, I really, really enjoyed that, but it's not perfect. I I have a really important question. Go for it. How long did it take you to blitz through the entire game to see the ending? <laughs> uh, you know, because I was giving updates as I played it. Uh, I was up... So I stayed up for six hours straight, which doesn't sound like a lot at all, really. But I was I was just trying to get to the end as fast as possible. I, I hadn't been spoiled for the last few games in the series. So I was just like, let's keep this lucky streak going. Let's finish it. Uh, and also there was that big curiosity about how they were going to handle the last half of the game. Uh, so it's not it's not long if you rush it, but if you go through doing all the songs, you've got like at least ten hours, and then you've got like 20 30 hours minimum to get all the collectibles to do all the songs in different difficulties like i haven't even mentioned the best part of the game is like it's just such a cool fan experience like there's so many little details like just in there like let alone all the art cards and soundtracks and clips that you can find like it's just a treasure trove it really does feel like in a sad way it feels like a send-off to what kingdom hearts was as it moves into what it's going to be in the future, uh, and for that, like, it's perfect for that. It like as as a Kingdom Hearts thing for fans, it's a ten out of ten. But as an experience, there are a few little things that let it down that I've talked about. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 super jazzed to talk about story. Uh, and as I said, when Remind came out, like the future of Kingdom Hearts is arguably more exciting than it's ever been, and that like stands even truer now. That's very foreboding, like uh, of like what of what Kingdom Hearts is gonna become. So is this gonna be like the cutoff of like uh, in the future? It's like ah, oh, remember when like Kingdom Hearts was like good? You know? <laughs> I, I can I can I'm predicting like twenty years from now or something when Kingdom Hearts is still going and not done yet. Um, they'll will be like remember when Kingdom Hearts used to have Disney and Final Fantasy? Remember that? Oh man, uh, I I say no more. This is all. All I'll say here. <laughs> I will say that oh. I did watch a uh, a clip on Twitter about someone doing the um the Zenmas fight from the end of Kingdom Hearts two in its field music battle thing, and like I was I have I I I got a copy of this game but I haven't played it yet. Um, I don't I I haven't decided if I really want like I'm trying to find a good do it. 
But anyways, uh, I was watching this field battle with Zenmas, and like it has like a really that's uh, like in hindsight, I'm like, man, that's one of my favorite tracks from the series is that final battle track. And I hate I hate when people always default to like the final battle track of the game is the best one. Because I don't think that's always true. I don't even think that's often true. But um, in Kingdom Hearts two, I think it is one of the cases where it is true. And I'm like, man, what a. I bet my favorite track in the game is not in the mel. Is it my? I, I'm sorry, over. I bet my favorite track in the series is not in Melody of Memory. Go on. Well, I bet. What is it? My favorite track in the game is Cavern of Remembrance, which is the oh, yeah. uh, music. Don't it's not really like a melodic is. track is the thing. Oh, really? <laughs> like, to my knowledge, I can't remember, because you do get those awesome, like I said, you get those awesome flyby shots, like, as they're going on the track, and you're whacking heartless, like, it takes you through locations. And even though there are some in Holly Bastion, I think it's called Radiant Garden. Yeah, it's Radiant Garden. It's called when you do those tracks, and it doesn't go through the Cavern of Remembrance. So I, I doubt that's in there. <laughs> yeah, it's more of a rhythmic track and not a melodic one, so it wouldn't really fit this type of game. But I like it. That's my favorite. My, mine is weird because the the tracks that are that come to mind like right away is like the Clock Tower Peter Pan track and the oh, yeah Adler that one's Desert. good. Yeah, uh, there there are two. I think so. There, I think there is because I know there definitely is the um, Peter Pan songs in there. There's both the ones from Birth by Sleep and. The first game. Oh, remember. See, th- this is this is the thing which is so great and kind of annoying at the same time is that there are so many songs. Like there, there's always going to be bound to be one that's not there. And it's like what I say. It's like, oh, why isn't that in there? But like, there are so many that are. Um, and generally, I've been sort of an advocate for a while that Kingdom Hearts could probably do its own thing now like it could go off and be without disney final fantasy i know that's controversial i know people hate that uh but after a mind i was like you know what like besides mickey donald and goofy like i wouldn't mind not having disney characters and then i played melody of memory and i was playing (laughs) halloween town and it was doing the this is halloween i was like you just can't though like there's such there's such a magic to it um so that was one of my greatest takeaways is just that as much as i love sora and riku and kairi and Roxas and everyone like Kingdom Hearts is Disney and it is Final Fantasy as well. Like, I I hope I hope I'm wrong where I think the the series goes next. But come back. Yeah, yeah, I hope they at least keep Moogles around, like in their little organization. Oh yeah, Just just keep just keep them around. George is waiting for. Go ahead. Go for it. Go for it. I was I was gonna say just allow them to be a mascot of two different series. I I was gonna say uh, George is waiting for Kingdom Hearts Ichiban Kasuga. (laughs) <laughs> so another game we'll be talking about is this, is this our transition point i, I tried oh, to do a transition yeah, <laughs> there it's, we go it's segue. how long were we talking about kingdom hearts melody of memory uh, uh long <laughs> <laughs> but anyways uh so we talked a little bit about yakuza like a dragon obviously last week when josh was able to go over his experience and his review on it uh, but I think George, just while you've been going, let's just let's just keep the uh, momentum. You've also been playing Good. through this game. Uh, what? So I think you're the first non-reviewer to have played Like a Dragon. So mm. what do you think? So Alex and I have been doing. If you look on the site now, you'll see a bunch of guides uh, talking about the sub stories and uh, job classes. Just ba- basically every all the big terms that you want. We've been going through and doing that. Um, and at first i was like yeah I, you know what i'll just i'll just do some guide work of alex like it'd be fun like i always like a bit more writing and then i fell in love with like a dragon and like I, i've just rolled credits before we started the podcast 
and it's like easily top three game of the year. Like I, I loved it. I loved you it. Cry. I did cry. Yeah, I did cry. Mm-hmm. The, the bit you were talking about is done just as well in English. Um, and I was surprised as well because I'm I'm a passive Yakuza fan. Like it's one of those series that I would always like pay attention to, and I'd watch some of the cutscenes of like some of the really cool moments. Um, and I've never seen emotion in the series like done like that, like it is with Ichiban. Like it is, in- he is like, incredible. Like he is probably my favorite part about Like a Dragon. He's a very yeah. expressive character. Yeah, he really is. Like it's just such a it's such a nice change. Like. As much as I love hear you, like it is just, it's a, it's a different vibe. Um, and last week when I was talking about it, I hadn't ran into one of my favorite parts of Like a Dragon as well, which is a sub story, so it's not really a spoiler. But uh, Ono Michio is back in it, which is really mm-hmm. cool. Mm-hmm. So the, the one Yakuza game that I played, which was uh, well, I played zero. We've we've talked about that. Um, the one that I've completed is six, so I remember that side quest really well. Yeah, and, uh, for, any, for anyone just now joining us, uh, George has played Yakuza 6 and 7, and that's it. So <laughs> he has a, quite a different perspective compared to uh, Josh, who just played through them all in you know release order. But everyone will be happy to know, I'm sure, that I've now uh, repurchased Yakuza 0. I'm going to go through that, and then I'm going to go through Kiwami 1 and 2, and then maybe and three, go... Yeah, then maybe 3, 4, and 5. <laughs> like, it's one of those things where I don't think they're as long as like a dragon is, right, Josh? Like th- no, it's a long. The, the Yakuza Zero is probably Yakuza Zero and Yakuza Five are probably the longest out of them. They're they're not as long as uh, as like a dragon, but they're still easily. If you're just like doing mainly main story, not and a little bit of sub stories here and there, but Yakuza Zero, Yakuza Zero, and Yakuza Five are like maybe like twenty to thirty hours, depending on how much side stuff you do in them. I think after how i've played like a dragon which is doing all the sub stories for the guides like you i i feel like you really do need to do the sub stories like they're, they're so much fun oh yeah they're, they're awesome but i when i say it's one of my top three games of the year this will sort of be my closing because i realize i've had the floor for like an hour now oh, um, right. i i love it it's fantastic but like i agree with josh i agree with like a, a lot of what you said in your review like it does feel like it's the first iteration. Like I feel like a sequel could do things so much better. Um, even just little changes, like being able to move your characters around. Like I think that would be really helpful because it's kind of annoying when they get stuck on the environment or they have to run across the street every time. Um, I'd also like to see it like be a bit more challenging, like a have a little bit more depth, like, one of the reasons I liked it so much is that it was pretty simplistic, really. Like, I, I wasn't having too much difficulty with it, but I wouldn't mind them going, like, okay, that was the starter. Let's really get into it. Like, let's have, like, 20 jobs and maybe have, like, more specific jobs per character. Um, but it's, it's such a good game. I, I need to go back and play more of it just to sort of feel like I'm done with it. But now I've wrapped on the credits. Yeah, absolutely fantastic. I am planning on uh, going through this myself. I know you've heard me say that on other games, but I, I did stick to my word for Neo. I did eventually get to it, uh, which we'll talk about that later in the podcast, too. Uh, does anyone else? I guess Adam does, speaking of Neo. Uh, I think you might have the last pre-PS5 game to talk about. 
I mean, you've talked about Neo too the last few weeks on the podcast, and I've been watching you play it a bit. So I just decided I want to play Neo, but I wanted to play with the first one. You know, I just kind of felt like I didn't want to jump into the second one right away. I'll just play the first one and see, you know, how I like that. Um, and I'm playing the PC version. And I haven't really played a lot of these sorts of Souls-like action RPGs or what have you, or deliberate, you know, stamina, guarding, dodging type action RPGs. Um, but I have played a few of the the Surge games from... Uh, I forget, Deck 13? Deck 13. Deck 9's Deck a different developer. One of those. Yeah. So, like, I'm not, it's not, like, brand new to me, but I haven't really played any of the Souls series yet. I will eventually get to them. But I'm enjoying it quite a bit. Uh, it, it feels really, just to be, I know we've talked about Neo a lot, and Neo 1 is very similar to 2, based on what I've seen of what you played and what I've played in the first game so far. So I understand, like, Lucas's review of Neo 2, he was saying it's basically more the same, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Uh, but I'm enjoying it a lot. It feels like a good mix of RPG progression in terms of like stats and levels and equipment and skills, but also like your actual like gameplay knowledge and skills where like you're fighting an enemy. Um, like I remember there's a few enemies where like the first time you meet a, a wheel monk, they were, it was really deadly. Like, man, this guy just feels like I'm always taking a bunch of damage when I, whenever I fight these guys, I don't know, like... Um, how what I'm supposed to do here, but then eventually you just sort of learn how to like take them on, how to deal damage, how to avoid damage uh, for that enemy and every enemy and the bosses, and it is it you can actually like tell you're getting better at the game and understanding how to play it. So I feel like it's a really good mix of like RPG stats and bars filling and things like that, as well as like a skill based action game. And the style is good too. Um, you know, I like the I like the the story itself is um, not as kind of like what I saw with you in Neo Two. It's not like an incredibly prominent story driven game, but it's it, I'm liking it well enough. It's you know it's not certainly not bringing the game down, but overall, yeah, I'm really enjoying it. And they recently announced uh, maybe this will be a preamble, but Neo <laughs> and Neo Two are coming to PS Five. Neo 2 is coming to PC, and there's a third DLC coming out for Neo 2. You're welcome. I just finished Neo 2, and as soon as I did, like... <laughs> yeah, that's going to make it possible, Brian. I, I knew they weren't going to release it until you finished it, so I was, like, really bad. Yeah, I thought they'd release it as soon as I decided to play it and purchased it. But, of course, they waited until I already put, like, 100-plus hours into it. Yeah, I was talking about it with our Koei Tecmo rep. He's like, yeah, we're not going to say anything until Brian finishes it. Okay, so. <laughs> And... Well, and you've been watching me play Neo too, and I've been watching you play Neo, and just I'm going the other direction where I jump straight into the sequel and didn't play the original game, and it's weird to see like, oh, this this map is borrowed from the original game, or these enemies are exactly the same, and I don't have any problem with that. Like, I always think of this is this doesn't really tie in, but I always think of like Majora's Mask as like just because it borrows assets or ideas or themes doesn't mean you can't make a completely original, new, worthwhile game. It doesn't. You don't need to reinvent the wheel with the sequel every time final fantasy style so the fact that neo 2 borrows and builds on a neo 1 so heavily i really don't have a problem with but there are a few times where story-wise like there are there are characters that show up in neo 2 that kind of show up for one level maybe a level and a half and then they depart and you're like what what was his point like i don't he didn't really impact the story much at all and then you learn he was a more critical 
character in Neo 1, and then his role in Neo 2 is more probably like cameo, more like, yeah, we're just trying to establish that parts of these two games take place around the same time, so the same characters can appear. So uh, that is stuff that I admittedly uh, just kind of missed because I didn't have that framework because I never played the original. I'm excited to finally play Neo 2 when it comes to PC. I think I was holding off for that. I hear so many good things about it. I'm pretty excited to give it a shot. I, 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 I it's it's cool to see that this game has been like, or the series has been like getting like progressively better. Like I, I'm really excited to see like what they pull off and they try to do a Neo 3, like what that looks like. And now that they can like, they, they're, they're going to be able to design that without the limitations of. Yeah. And it was, Adam has kind of like the opposite that I did where he's never played the Dark Souls games, but he's played like a few of the quote unquote knockoffs where I've only played Soul. Like I've played Demons, Dark Souls 2 and 3 and Bloodborne. I never played Sekiro, uh, but, I, but I've also never played like Lords of the Fallen or Neo or Surge. So I've never played any of the uh, or Mortal Shell. Is that the newest one? So, yeah, so, so, a couple, there's a couple of indie Souls likes, yeah. So uh, I guess I played some of the ones, some of the indie games that obviously aren't third person. Uh, well, maybe like, not, there's, there's a ton. It feels like there's a ton of those two D, two D pixel art souls like side scrollers. Yeah, I played uh, Dark Devotion, which wasn't there. that great. It was it was a six out of ten to wrap it up to an early discussion. It was fine, I suppose. But I don't want to. I don't want to take over your section, Adam. Do you have any other like? I feel like we've kind of talked Neo to death. But do you have any other like key closing statements about your takeaway from having played Neo? You have to come up with something uh, like super profound now. Okay. Well, what's your <laughs> no. weapon of choice, uh, Adam? Uh, I my my build is. I'll, I have two things to say. My build. I'm using just the normal katana and boring, but I have invested a bit into like ninja skills. So I'm, I basically have combined like close combat with the katana, and then like some range and some status stuff with shuriken and kunai and whatnot. And it's actually been really useful because there's a lot of like the boss encounters in the game where you, when you can't get an attack in, like an opening to do a, a close combat attack, you can do you can either do damage or do key damage with your kunai or shuriken that can sometimes make openings or do status effects or whatever. So it's kind of like a good, if, if I'm getting a good balance of like dishing damage or creating openings and, and it works really well. Well, I tell you another thing I do boss, like about this game. Sorry. I just want to say, I, I just want to, I, I'm just kind of trying to substantiate your point from what I saw. You're fighting that one boss that was winged. I don't remember his name. The Psycho Clan leader, I believe, um, and then he like you threw a kanai at him at a certain point when he's when he's flying around and you can knock him to the ground. Yeah, basically it creates an opening for you to get a big hit on him every time. But one thing, one small thing I do like about this game is that um, is how it handles the languages. It's like all the Japanese characters, which is most of the game, speak in Japanese. But then like William and the main antagonist are like foreigners, and they'll speak in English. And then um, some of the like spirits that you meet will speak in different languages as well. Like for example, Sersha is Gaelic, and they'll speak in a Gaelic language. I just thought that's kind of a neat touch. I found it really odd how Neo Two defaults to like an English dub when the Japanese audio does the same exact thing that Neo One does, like you were talking about. It, it I don't know. It, it it feels like it was kind of unnecessary, but maybe that's just me. 
I think the option is good, but I just I just kind of like that. It's more um, uh, what's the what's the word when uh something is built into the framework of the game? Immersive. No, the word for it. I'll think about it. <laughs> but it's it's more where it's not for the it's not for the benefit of the player. It's more for it's more like in line with how the world might actually be. It's not just that, oh, everyone speaks English because we, we expect that this is a media product for an English speaking audience or everyone speaks Japanese. Uh, it's man, I wish I had that word. Like, I need a dictionary. <laughs> I'm just like, I, I, I the word that I'm thinking of is diegetic, but diegetic that's, that's the word. That's the word <laughs> okay. I was looking for. Diegetic. So okay. it's, it, just, it just seems more like this, this makes sense to the world that's being presented, uh, rather than just being. The, 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 having the veneer of like, oh, this is a media product where you select one language and you're done. Because that's how the world works, right? Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm not getting a PS5. You're not? Not yet? <laughs> not, not yet. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> I'll probably yeah, no, 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 Don't do it. Right now, if you're dumb, get it. If, if, Have you if heard how big they are and heavy? <laughs> but anyways... Well, I mean, uh, Ahead, Sounds like sour grapes to me, considering like if you didn't get one already, it's basically impossible to get one with all the bots on uh, Walmart.com and whatnot. Okay, so the, uh, that that's a that's a that's a great segue because I've in another uh, Discord channel with my friends, they, there's a whole dedicated channel for for fucking PS5 Walmart stocks <laughs> or just uh, people <laughs> trying to get a PS5s and like like the, whenever the, um, that time comes around, people are like. Did you get it? No, no, no. And then people are just taking screenshots of like what the Walmart uh, errors they get. <laughs> this is what makes me laugh, though. Well, it doesn't make me laugh. It's not sad. But all of everyone I know who wants a PS Five always says to me like, "Oh, I'll get it like I'll get it for Christmas, or I'll get it like in a, in a couple of weeks." I'm like, "No, you don't get it. Like, no one's gonna get them for a while because if they're all online stock, you're just gonna have bots and scalpers. Like, all of them getting it first. It's, they're gonna yeah. be able to find." The only reason I managed to get a PS5 at launch is I lucked out and managed to get a, a launch day unit from the Target pickup at store stock. And I can only assume that because it, it, it didn't have shipping and you had to pick it up at store, that the bots weren't nearly as prevalent. And they didn't say when the stock was going to go live. So it wasn't like they could set up the bots ahead of time. There was a ton of errors, and I had to like keep submitting the order. But I did manage to get it in that way. But if I hadn't gotten it then, oh man, I actually feel kind of bad because I got my PS5 before some people I know that had pre-orders. Not even just like European folks, but just like in the US. Yeah, James, what the fuck? You got it like what seven hours earlier? I'm pissed. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's just yeah, it, it's kind of weird. I. I know for some people, it's not really that's not really a bad game. The PS5, it's more the thrill of the hunt of getting a PS5 because everyone's kind of like, oh, "What am I going to do? I don't know. <laughs> I guess we're going to try to get one of these." So I'm still, I'm still got like product stock trackers or whatever for just Nvidia GPUs, which came out supposedly mm -hmm. released months ago or months. Yeah, ago. The, <laughs> the, they said it did, but did they really? Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I. This is insane, and and there was a a little demographic that or a little infographic that you shared uh, like a day or so ago, James, of like what their 
what the demand is, is going to be for PS5 and Xbox Series X and what the supply actually is. And that was very... Yeah. To be... Um, like, just to kind of explain, like, uh, this one analyst, I forget his name, but he's, like, with NPD Group, and he's pretty well-known. Well um, he basically said... He, well, he linked a study basically saying that 1 in 10, um, like, American adults want to get a next-gen console this year so like 26 million people want to get a next-gen console this is that, year uh, is that matt piscatella yeah i think it was matt all right i just, I just wanted to assign a name to it so you see that and that's just numbers for the u.s that's not the rest of the world and it's like there's nowhere near enough stock to manage that <laughs> Of course, that's like between both PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X, but still, it's like, yeah, it's going to be, honestly, it's probably going to be worse than the NVIDIA GPUs for a little bit, because at least with the NVIDIA GPUs, if you uh, are fine with risking going outside, if you have a micro center near you, you can just like camp out there whenever they say they're going to get stock next day, and then I guess that's one way you could get them, but that's obviously an extreme circumstance and you probably shouldn't be going outside folks. Uh, well, also, I, like, I think, I feel like the, the specific GPU market is probably not like, I feel like the console market is growing faster. I don't really have it. I guess maybe I shouldn't say that. Cause I don't really have like any way to substantiate that, but oh, I was just thinking about your 26 million number and, and like gaming, especially console gaming, I feel is becoming more and more, widespread more and more accepted less less of a corner niche and then the consoles themselves are getting more and more intricate probably harder to manufacture you know and then like those two things are competing against each other to try to why why does the supply fall short of demand well there <laughs> that's why i also feel like and so both uh, josh and i were kind of talking about this a little bit before the podcast but just from a technical standpoint, both the PS5 and the Xbox Series consoles feel like a significantly like higher jump than the PS5, PS4 did from the PS3. They feel much more next-gen this time around because you have a much better CPU, you have a high-performance SSD. In the case of the PS5, it literally has an SSD faster than anything you can buy for consumer PCs right now, which is something. There's it also has liquid metal. Yeah. <laughs> is that one, the thing that really gets <laughs> into it is that you cannot buy so for the Xbox Series X, you cannot buy a GPU that's stronger than the GPU in the Xbox Series X for less than the price of the console itself. And same for the PS5, because you cannot buy a GPU stronger than the PS5 for less than four hundred dollars, assuming you're going with the digital edition. That was absolutely not the case with the Xbox One PS4 generation because the hardware was much more low mid-end compared to what the PS5 and the Xbox Series X are, which is, I'd say, mid-high-end. It's kind of ridiculous. Let, like, let's, let's pretend I'm some dummy um, who, doesn't, who doesn't know anything about the tech. Like, Tell me about the games, guys. Look, how, how good are the games? What have I got I think for... I think George is telling us to move on from shipping and tech stuff to talk about what you guys have been playing i know you you don't tear down the consoles yourselves when you get the the consoles (laughs) in what are you doing dude 
I, I've taken a, a sneak peek at the podcast doc and I've seen two games I'm very, very interested in. Well, I, I so, hopped into the PlayStation 5 discussion. I didn't get to talk about the games I played before, while waiting. For oh, the go, go for it. Go for it. Um, sorry. Uh, we'll be right back to this. I, I assure you guys listening. Um, I'll be very, very brief. Uh, so... If you listen to the podcast way earlier this year, like in March, you know, well, and February, you'd know that I finally started getting to the Atelier series, or however you pronounce it, this year. And uh, I played through Aisha Plus on my Vita a while back, and I started Eskin Logi. Uh, so I've been playing through a bit of Eskin Logi Plus again and finished the first term of the game. So it's still very early on. Not much else to say, nothing really new, but. Um, I I like it. I, I I'm pretty sure I mentioned I liked it back in March, but uh just wanted to say, yeah, I'm playing through that. Uh probably have a bit more to talk about along with PS5 games next week. The big one that I've been playing besides PS5 games was uh Death Stranding. I'm not sure if I talked about this on the podcast before. If I did, I don't think it was very much. Um so I don't think so. Yeah, so I was waiting for this to come out on PC because I remembered, like, even before, like, we got proper release dates for PS4, it was pretty much confirmed that it was going to be on PC eventually, so I figured I'd wait. Uh, that ended up working out for the best because the PC version's really nice. I can run it, like, 1440p60 max settings on my rig, which is really not, really good. Um, I wasn't sure what to expect with Death Stranding. Um, I think maybe my expectations were, I wouldn't say muted, but definitely tempered because of how like divisive the game seems to be, where some people absolutely hate it and some people absolutely love it. Uh, one thing I will say is that, for one thing, it's absolutely a Kojima game, for better or worse. The story is absolute nonsense. The characters are absolute nonsense. The game has like these exposition dumps that really don't flow very well in some cases. Uh, but in other ways, it's fascinating. Like, you, you see these games that people kind of assign with a derogatory term like walking simulators, and you think, oh, when somebody says a game's a walking simulator, it just means, oh, you're just walking from point A to point B. But... It's weird. Sorry, if, geez, man. Uh, Death Stranding is a walking simulator in the most like legitimate terms, in the sense that you have to take into account elevation, you have to take into account like obstacles on the road or the like the, the path. There's like water is a real like problem you have to deal with. There's like rocky terrain is your worst nightmare. <laughs> it's just like real life. And the gameplay loop of delivering packages and figuring out the best way to get from point A to point B while navigating the terrain, making sure you don't get spooked by some uh, scary ghosts, uh, making sure that you uh, don't get attacked by crazed Amazon contractors, <laughs> stuff like that. Um, it's a lot of fun. I don't want to talk about much about the story because if you haven't played Death Stranding, uh, you definitely should experience it for yourself. And I'm pretty sure most people would be angry if I even talked about it because that's like the main reason you probably want to play Death Stranding. But the gameplay, the loop of 
delivering these packages, building up these structures like roads and whatnot and getting these like unlocking stuff like actual vehicles to use or better equipment like the power um the power legs or the speed legs and stuff like that it's i'm having a lot more fun with it than i expected and uh, especially now that i'm like in chapter five it's really opened up like chapter three it opened up and from here on out, it feels like it's going to be smooth sailing to get through to the ending, but it's I'm <laughs> a lot more than I expected going in. It has okay. our guy Mads Mikkelsen, so it can't be a bad game. So, uh, as, as keen as I was to get to, okay, guys, tell me about Next Gen, because I'm very excited for that. You mentioned Death Stranding, James, which happens to be one of my favorite games this generation. Um, so, I completely, well, actually, I don't know. generation, huh? Oh yeah. Oh, last year, whatever. Um, well, you gotta, so, you gotta remember where he's at. Where he's you gotta remember. <laughs> Stuck in the dark ages. Um, I would actually disagree. the The story to me, when I look back on Death Stranding, which is actually a very special game for me um, personally, just just hit hit at the right time in my life. It it still means a lot now. Um, I, I think back to that, and I don't remember... I remember the, the key bits of the story, the twists and the turns and some cutscenes, but most of it was honestly nonsense, and Sam is a really crap protagonist, I have to say. But the stories that you make yourself, as cliche as it sounds, in traversing, and the gameplay of traversing, is like nothing else I've ever seen. Immersive um, gameplay. Oh, I'll, I'll definitely agree to that. Like, There's this mm-hmm. one section in the central region where there's a bunch of rocks, and it's like it's not like riverbeds, but there's like a bu- these sections of map that are kind of spreading out that you can kind of hop over if you have like a speed or power skeleton or whatnot. But I was trying to navigate it with the reverse trike. And there's like some sections where it's kind of like a makeshift ramp that you can just, you can tell they designed it to look natural, but you can also kind of use it as a way to jump from one section to the other. And it's just, I almost ate shit. I almost fell down. Like the front, like the front wheels were just barely holding on. I had to wiggle it super carefully to get like onto the actual like plateau. All the meanwhile, you have these meals like trying to like rush me, and it's just like stuff like that. Yeah, it's just, it's just in, in a, in, not in a league of its own. Like it's better than any other game, but there is nothing else like it, um, totally. and it is. Easily one of my favorite games, like may- maybe ever. Uh, but I would argue, not to not to turn this into the, the Death Stranding podcast, but it would be better without BTS. Like besides their impact on the story, if I if I think back to it now, every time they interrupt gameplay and you have to sneak around them, as soon as you learn their tricks, it's just like not as fun. Like it is j- just wandering the environment and figuring out, okay, I'm going to put a ladder here and I'm going to walk across this, and oh look, someone's put this here for me, and that means like someone's out there looking out for me that is all really resonant and that all like especially now when we're all well over here we're locked indoors but when we've all had the year we've had of being inside all the time there is just this message of community in there uh it's it's just such a fantastic game i will say that i can see where you're coming from with the bts i think that they're an interesting gameplay wrinkle but i do agree that it feels like the well actually no i think i do like the inclusion of BTs in the story, especially with the further you go on and the more common like time fall is and how you have to keep in 
keep that into account and you have to remember where BTs are so you can avoid them or like stock up on anti-BT weapons so you can like kind of prod your way through like at a steady pace so you can not have to worry about them. It's it's interesting. I do think it works, but I can definitely see the argument that it's well, it's not the weakest part of the game. That's the uh, random, like uh, actual like combat sections. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I, I will say the boss fights against BTs can just be absolutely axed from the game, and it would feel better. Completely agree. One hundred percent agree. They were they were a low point. Like they're not they're not even like bad, they're just boring. They don't make you the the only weapon well, it's not even like a proper boss fight. Well no. Is there a scripted sec yeah, yeah, yeah. The first one where you only have the grenades and you basically just have to keep getting to a good point to throw them. It's just keep throwing the grenades. It's just like so dull. So dull. Yeah, no, I agree. Um but uh, yeah, I'm really glad that you're you're enjoying it. Like, I would say not enough people have played it, but it did do quite well. But I feel like on this game, Go ahead. I feel like ironically, well, not ironically, I guess it definitely feels like the game's reception has been much better on PC than it was on PS4. I'm not sure if yeah. that's just a difference in audience because no, like, I would I, agree. I feel like the types of people that play on PC are more like attuned to games that are like simulators. And I'd say to a certain extent that Death Stranding def- definitely has like a simulate like simulator DNA in it. So Yeah, no, I'd agree. It's more niche and I think that suits a PC audience quite well. Yeah. Which is so what I'm not really mentioned. Don't know when I'm gonna finish it because obviously my playtime's gone derailed by uh next gen, which uh there's our segue. Now to talk about the actual games. Josh we, we, we finally have a week where we're like <laughs> nailing our segues. <laughs> it only took us like seven, eight months. Though I, I do want to comment that um even though I haven't played it and I don't think I will, it, it is really cool to hear you two talk about us training a a game that you got you means a lot to at least one of you, but both of you have some really cool things to say about it and it's been it was, it was delightful think, to listen to that. I think if I had played it last year, it would have been in my uh, top five uh, 2019 list. Yeah. So, PS5. Don't, don't. What about it? That, yeah, there's nothing on that segue. It's done. It's up yet. There's nothing on PS5. No, um, uh, for the PS5 launch games. No game. Yeah. Launch games, I picked up Miles Morales, which is the, the, the game that I spent the most time on the uh on it so far Ooh, uh, i'm so excited yeah my, miles Morales is really good i'm really i'm really enjoying it a lot i'll probably finish it up tomorrow or something um i've been playing it on performance mode uh it feels really good in 60 fps the combat feels really satisfying the new uh venom powers that uh that miles has uh feel feels great like there's this uh move where you like you can ascend up into the air with uh like stunning enemies uh, up there that feels really great uh i really like what they've uh done with Bowser's character and his story arc throughout the game so far uh n- nothing but good things to say about that game i i really enjoy it a lot uh they've, they've streamed like a lot of stuff because it's like a a shorter game uh compared to the original it's like the you know the lost legacy of uncharted um so it, it there you get upgrades much faster but uh like narrative moments mean a lot more because it's it's so 
it, it's t- smartly condensed, I'd say. Um, I picked up, let's see, the DMC5 Special Edition, which I've only played a little bit of uh, so far. I did like maybe two or three stages as Virgil, uh, kind of uh, trying to get more of his skills before tackling Legendary Dark Knight mode. Did you um, play the um, base game? The original, original? Yeah, I played that. Yeah, I played that. Yeah, I played the original, uh, the base DMC5 game. So I'm just hopping into the new content straight away. Does it's Virgil still really good, still amazing to play? Uh, uh, I would I'll, say not. Not to keep interrupting you two, yeah. and I, I said to talk about your games, but Devil May Cry Five stands as the best character action game, in in my opinion. Like, I adore that game. I'm so excited for Special Edition. Yeah, it's so fun. It's really, really fun. So unfortunately, I don't have a anything capable of 120 hertz around here, so I don't know what that looks like. I don't know if I'll uh, if my next PC upgrade is like looking into that, but who knows? Um, what else did I get? I got Assassin's Creed Valhalla, uh, but I didn't. I, I didn't I, speed I, it up. Yet. I don't want to hear about Assassin's Creed. I want to hear about Bug Snacks. <laughs> I, did, I, I, did, I didn't download Bug Snacks yet. I, I I know I probably should, but I just don't have time right now. I'll, I'll probably like reclaim that PS Plus thing. Uh, for it, I I do want to play Bug Snacks sometime, but I'm just too busy right now. I guess next week we'll be talking about Bug Snacks. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Um, let's see, what else did I try? I did get Demon Souls. I'm a little over two hours into it right now, with like three bosses beaten. Um, it feels really good to play. Like I'm, uh, it's it looks incredible. It the uh, like. It ah, man, just having the dragon at one two, like soar by and no frame drops is like the most bizarre thing to me. <laughs> I, I'm just like I this is too much. I, I Demon Souls has a very special place in my heart. Uh, early to mid PS3 uh, days because I was I was already a big From Software fan uh, before the whole Souls thing started with uh, Armored Core. Like I stuck with them with Armored Core initially. I like some of their other stuff, like Kingsfield. Kingsfield, oh, man, my... I miss Armored Core. Yeah, um, not to do it. Kingsfield was one of my first PlayStation games, for better or worse. And so, and Demon Souls, in a way, is a little bit of spiritual follow up to that. So, like before everyone started getting into Demon Souls, I was like, oh, this is this is going to be a, an interesting game from from software, and it's a. Uh, the the blue point remake it plays super well. I really like the the handling of what the, what they've done to the combat. It, do, it feels really nice with the haptic feedback of the controller. Like uh, different weapons have different like rumble like responses throughout the con- controller, or, and different kind of how it uh, vibrates the triggers and whatnot. And like when you cast magic, it kind of has like this weird feeling where it has like a like a, a different parts of the uh controller will like rumble as it's like leading up to like the release of the spell from the catalyst so it's kind of like a, a weird rumble follow-up throughout the controller and that's cool i think the i think the thing that bugs me about the remake i know uh, a lot a lot of the internet's like really hung up about you know like the redesigns of like some of the bosses or the enemies and uh, like i i get that uh it, it's definitely a different feel from original it's not like as isolated almost uh, like in the original it felt very uh whether it was technical limitations or stylistic choices it felt very um lonely and isolated like there was 
there there was definitely audio work but it was like very subdued at uh, most points of it this one it uh blue point reimagined it to like be more grandiose and flashy like uh, even like as i was mentioning earlier like the like magic spells like that in the original it was like a very like almost like a, a wisp sound effect where it at least from your wand this one it's like it's like like it's like it's very impactful <laughs> it's like that it's like oh whoa this is kind of and, and like your, your character's like yelling throughout it and then when you kill an enemy they're like yelling like in pain i'm like oh man this is this is kind of intense so I, I would say that's the spirit of the remake it's a, it's a bit more a more intense reinterpretation of the original game and i think the, the thing that really kind of impacts my enjoyment of it um it's not it's not necessarily like a, a fault against it because it's a reinterpretation of it but like a lot of the boss uh bgm so far are too kind of flashy for me like i like especially like the phalanx and tower knight one like uh, in the tower knight one like it was an extended fight and like the 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 bgm was just blaring it was kind of getting um intrusive so i had to like mute the bgm throughout that fight so i didn't have to like deal with it because it was so it, it was too intense for like like what i was trying to do in that fight. i was like i can't be listening to this for the next like five to ten minutes on loop i'm like i'm just trying to whittle this guy this thing down and this is not not really my my choice of music for it uh I, i'm still pretty early on i i don't know exactly you know what's gonna be if there's gonna be anything new yet uh in it but i i have really I really enjoy it so far. I just have to say, you're it. You, it sounds like you're being very careful with how you're talking about Demon Souls remake. Yeah, and because you're, you're Josh, tell us how you really feel. Well, I mean, the, because I'm so I'm so early on that it's hard for me to formulate like a like a firm opinion on it at the moment because I I'm one of those people like I'd want to experience it for myself and see because I, I know a lot of people have are very uh, negative about like. A lot of the stylistic changes to it, and how you know the, the the tracks are in it. So it's not really me being careful about like what I'm saying and like oh I'm trying to hold back what I'm saying, but it's more that I'm just kind of curious at the moment. I don't really know how I feel one way or the other until I dig more into it. But I really just enjoy from a technical perspective that like there's virtually like no load times in it. It's very fast. It feels very fluid. Uh, it's very responsive, um, and I, I have more to say once I get uh, deeper into it next week. Right, right now, I've, I've only barely played a little over two hours of it, but I've, I've liked what I've played, uh, uh, barring some of like the intrusive, like you know, boss BGMs and whatnot. Uh, it's like I said, it's a very, it's a different interpretation, and I'm open to that. I just, I'm just very fond of the original. So at the uh, at some point, I do have to separate, like you know, my feelings for the original versus like you know a style. This, this is not going to be. This is. This remake is not like to the like a one to one thing to it, right? It's not like just like Demon Souls, but like better graphics, better frame rate, better load times. It's it's a much different thing than that. So when we had a, it was either the last podcast or the or the one before. It was like the last the last media dump before the release. Um, and one of the things they talked about uh, was some sort of filter mode that supposedly made it look more like the PS3 version of the game. A, does that exist? And B, have you tried it? I haven't tried it yet. I haven't really messed around the filters. I think it, I think it does for sure exist in the game because, you know, there have been 
sites going over like the filters and whatnot. And my my like what how the game looks like right now. It's it's not like too bright for me or too like ah it's too they 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 ruined everything. The environments it's not dark enough. Like coming into that that that's not really like you know that's not really my issue with the game. It's more of the very intrusive boss battle music, which is a weird thing to 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 like like complain about. But it's like I really like kind of the 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 subdued tracks in Demon Souls, and I, I think it's it's kind of weird to like reimagine those tracks as like being more flashy, more epic, more grandiose, you know, more uh, higher than life type of thing. It's I re- I really like the 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 lonely isolated feeling that the original like had. It was very mysterious at the time, and and being mysterious is kind of it would be hard to like get that back from the original. If this is like if there's a one to one remake, like everyone knows the original Demon Souls inside and out now, but I I, th- I think I won't I'm... really have like, a firm opinion on it until I get further in. If I ever play Demon Souls PS5, I don't know if I will because I basically platinum. I did le- legitimately platinum the PS3 version. I played it when it came on uh, PS Plus for whatever it's worth. So thank you PS Plus for introducing me to the Soul series. Um, <laughs> uh, I- I'm really curious. My my absolute favorite part of Demon Souls is the Tower of Latria three one oh. I believe. Yes. Just I have never played, and five one comes close though. It has the annoying poison swamp. Uh, thing but yeah i don't th- i don't think i've ever played a game that has put me on edge but not turned me away as much as tower of latria does i've played like amnesia or other like more horror type games where i'm just like nope i don't want to play that anymore nope i'm done <laughs> you, you beat me <laughs> but tower of latria is the perfect mix of like mood it's so creepy difficult um it's man like if i had to like pick like the perfect video game level that would be in the contention wow, yeah. right away. So I'm curious to like, I really want, if I were to play Demon's Souls PS5, it would be just to play Tower of Latria and just to see how it's rendered, renditioned, imagined in this remake. Yeah. So I do not have Demon's Souls PS5. I'll probably pick it up this weekend, probably. But um, I'm not really in a rush to play it because obviously, well, I emulated Demon's Souls last year like november last year so basically literally a year year ago um because i have a hack ps3 i was able to make a backup i actually played my own backup on our pcs3 ran really well played it like down sampled 4k 60 had a ton of fun um so i don't really even have nostalgia for demon souls but like seeing some of the visual changes some of the art style changes, the character designs. I I definitely I'm not a huge fan of some of them. So like I'm still gonna play it because it is arguably one of the best, if not the best game on PS5 right now from the sounds of things. But it definitely feels like the original Demon Souls had a very cohesive art style that I'm not sure just looking at some of the examples of the changes in the remake, if that really stands up to that. So I'm I'm definitely curious to see how I feel once I get to it, like, and I actually play it, but I don't know. It just, 
it feels weird because we had that article where they were saying, oh, they wanted to try and stay as like faithful as possible. And that's why they didn't add in the sixth arch stone. But it's like, if you're making all these, like in some cases, major changes to the like character designs, it feels like maybe you should have just gone all the way. Like if you're going to have like reimagining or like a reinterpretation, just really like own it. I feel like maybe that's just me. Well, I don't really have a, like, I've never played Demon Souls, like I said earlier. I kind of compartmentalize the remake more like, like a reimagining or an adaptation or something. So, like, if there's any differences in it, I just think, oh, okay, that's just an adaptation thing. You know? And that's what it is. <laughs> yep. it, it's like, <laughs> there's going to be a bad comparison, but the thing that, the, that, that came to mind right now was, like, uh, when... Um, like Disney's version of the Little Mermaid, you know, the Little Mermaid is a very different story from like how Disney or like, or like a uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame, <laughs> yeah, Hunchback or Aladdin. You know, they're all pretty different from their inspirations. <laughs> yeah, actually, the the comparison point that comes to mind isn't actually one that I've played, but the remake of Metal Gear Solid. I think it's called the Twin Snakes. Yeah, the Twin Snakes. That's a, that's pretty yeah. good. Thank you. Yeah, also. <laughs> Yeah, you, my my character was like a writing on a missile in this game. It was weird, dude. <laughs> I was like, I don't remember this. <laughs> but yeah, it's um, I'm I'm very very curious to get farther into it. Um, as for backwards compatibility stuff, um, I haven't really tried out too much. I tried out uh, Yakuza Six and Judgment. They had definitely faster loading times, but since they had frame rate caps, they still perform as they would on a PS4 Pro. Um, I did try. <laughs> I tried out Gundam Breaker Three because, like, I really adore that game. So I was like, "Of course I, you I, did. Of course, of course did. I, of course I did." But it had pretty long loading times even on PS4 Pro. I was very surprised to see how fast it loaded on PS5. So that was very exciting. Uh, performance was still compar- comparable to PS4 Pro, but uh, I was I really liked those loading times. I was like, "Yeah, I can get into a game really fast in this game." Finally, uh, um, I was I'm thinking of like putting other stuff onto it, but I, I'm. I don't know. We'll see. I have to like uh, research like what actually had like frame rate caps. Like I put Ghost of Tsushima on it because I haven't beaten that game, but I now now I have a good reason to like go and like I guess I'm gonna start a new game in Ghost of Tsushima, but I'm gonna put it on that difficulty mode where like you can die like in one or two hits, but the other but your enemies can't do if you can parry well. I want to try that out and then because having that game run at 60 FPS while still in fidelity mode seems like a pretty appealing. This might sound a little bit smug or self-important, but I do wonder if, like, I've seen people over the course of the weekend so far say, like, wow, Ghost of Tsushima is a way different game on PS5, or I've even seen, like, Days Gone is so much better when it's a locked 60 FPS on PS5 or whatever. And I'm kind of wondering, like, yeah, like, this is why people get so amped about PC ports sometimes, is because they the last generation just was like James kind of alluded to with how, where the, how they launched in terms of their capabilities technically like the, the we I felt like we were hamstrung throughout the whole generation where you didn't really notice it because it was there the whole time and then you finally get to a generation where I remember before this generation like maybe like a year and a half ago people were like nah 1080 60 60 fps is still a pipe dream because developers will never focus over on frame rate over fidelity it's always going to be 30 fps you're locked there and then it's kind of launched and we're not really at a point, at least not yet, where people are like where 30 FPS is your only option. 
So I think that's just like that's like a paradigm shift. It's not. I, it's I'm not a very loud scared, one. Though. Like I'm scared because like you make a good point, but when I think about like when the PS4 and the Xbox One launched, like especially on the PS4 side, like how the the main menu of that was pretty smooth, but by the end of the generation, that got that menu became sluggish to kind of get through. Uh, and how and, and how in that uh, early early on, people were trying like, you know, pretty cool stuff with it. But by the end of that generation, uh, especially base when uh, base PS4s got killed, base Xbox Ones got killed when PS4 Pro and the uh, X came out, when the One X came out, and like now you see like this games, uh, this year's games and last year's games, like how they run on base consoles. Like people just didn't give a sh- like a lot of people. Just didn't care anymore about optimizing for a base. Yeah, now. I agree. I do agree. So now I'm scared that like, okay, we're off to a good start. With like, okay, there's a lot of our games are run at uh, stable 60 FPS, and like a good example of Miles Morales and uh, Demon Souls. Like they, their loading times are really freaking crazy. And you see Xbox One X games also, like, or not Xbox Series X games loading really fast and with their quick resume stuff. But I'm, I'm scared now that as the generation goes on like developers will want to push the graphical boundaries even more at the cost of like oh well this is only going to be 30 fps again oh there's the look we we really push the limits of this so like the loading times on it are still we're, we're naughty dog we, we we go for the you know we go for the gold visually like we're not gonna offer you a performance mode that, that's just a random example i don't have anything mm-hmm. against for four naughty dog i'm just i'm just thinking like what developer would release a next-gen exclusive game but they have certain ambitions visually in terms of Square ray tracing, in terms of or whatever it may be uh, um, final fantasy, I, I i guarantee you dude like final fantasy 16 do you think do you think final fantasy 16 is gonna run at 60 fps with yes. like virtually no loading times Yes. Oh, okay. I think it's going to run at 60 FPS because they're definitely pushing for a character action type combat. And that's the type of combat that you want 60 FPS for. I, I hope so. I, I hope it does. You know, I'm, I'm, there's something that, that I'm just reminds me how, how weird Final Fantasy 15 is just as a whole. Everything about it is so oh, weird. What, what, what a weird game. I'm glad we're able to shoehorn Final Fantasy yeah. discussion into this somewhere. Yeah. And what but I think about Square Enix, like they over, like uh, traditionally, like they they are definitely one of the forefront developers that likes to push graphical limitations and use technologies like to their like you know as much as they can push it at the cost of like whatever technical performance it may have, as long as it looks really freaking pretty. I don't think they care much for performance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We know we we know you want a 60 FPS mode, but we're gonna give you a 16K shadow resolution instead. Take that <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> I def again it is maybe too early to say, but I feel like there is a different dynamic this generation because you have much stronger CPUs. Like when the PS4 and Xbox One came out, even then the CPUs were dog shit. They were bad. <laughs> and we had to deal with those for seven years as the baseline. So of course, like a bunch of games were limited not necessarily by the GPU, but the CPU. And that's why there weren't that many 60 FPS games. From the get-go, like, the CPUs and the PS5 and the Xbox Series um, consoles, they're good. They are legitimately good. They're not the best now, because, like, there's Zen 3 CPUs that released, but compared to how how they were, like, when the PS4 and Xbox One came out, it's a nine-day difference. Completely nine-day difference. 
And I feel confident that not just because of the boost in the CPU performance, but also because of the fact that stuff like checkerboard rendering has become much more popular, like upscaling techniques have become much more popular. I feel like we're going to see more and more games offer performance modes that allow for higher frame rates that use checkerboard rendering to upscale to a higher resolution. Because for a lot of developers, I'm sure that it doesn't compromise their vision for how the game should look as much as it would have previously. And like, if you're trying to run a game at like 720p, 60 on like PS4 or something, it still looks really, really good because like upscaling techniques are not a way. Yeah, it's an interesting comparison because I remember at the, do you you guys remember so long ago in ancient times where people were like mad that Killzone Shadowfall wasn't like it was upscaled? Or something like that. It was like a fake resolution. And now people are like, where's DLSS 2.0 for this game or that game? It's just just like people have kind of come to accept that maybe. I think the deal with Shadowfall was that they weren't forthright with the fact that it was an upscaling technique and it wasn't native 1080p. Nowadays, everyone knows what checkerboard rendering is. And it developers are much more open about what they're doing with resolution like targets for games. So I don't think it's nearly as much of an issue, especially now that we're in a post DLSS 2.0 world where we all know that these upscaling techniques are the real deal and they can like preserve the visual fidelity that nor- that previously you would have had to render at a much higher internal resolution to like represent them. I don't think I've played a DLSS 2.0 game yet. I played uh, Monster Hunter, which has 1.0. And even then, I was like, wow, this is really, really nice. And yeah. On PC, that is. Yeah. Right, I'm excited. Man, next gen's exciting. And I, I, don't, yeah. I don't even have an order in yet. Yeah. yeah. So, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully, I. I uh, it's it always feels weird to like oh man here we go again now we have a, from the start a, a gen a generation that starts that do you want fidelity or do you want performance man do, do you want thirty fps with the ray tracing or do you want sixty fps and it won't run like dog shit I'm just kidding but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> um, James one game that you were playing in the staff chat earlier that we were watching uh, was East Nine and I don't know if you were planning on bringing that up but uh, I, I, I just um so. The only PS5 game, like actual PS5 game I've played, well, okay, technically there was another one that I can't really talk about yet, and it doesn't really matter. Uh, the only PS5 game I've actually played on my PS5 so far is Astro's Playroom, which is adorable. It's great. It has like a Nintendo quality to it with how good the platforming is and just how polished it is. If you own a PS5, if you're getting a PS5, while everything else is installing, play through Astro's Playroom. I guarantee you'll probably be finished with it before you know it. Just a delightful game. I'm not sure if you've played it yet, Josh. I, but I, I have. It's a, I only played a little bit of it. It's, it's funny. It's, 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 one, it's the only game I could can, I can really zoom in on a PlayStation 1 memory card and multi-tap in high fidelity. Those models are look really good. Oh, yeah. It's just a love letter to PlayStation's like legacy in general. And it's just... There's so many cameos and even so many like deep dives that you wouldn't really expect to see in the game. And it's not awesome. so it's surprisingly it, it, like there's never like 
in recent memory, there's never been like a game that really tugged at your nostalgia strings as hard as this game, and you're like, wow, nostalgia is really a beautiful thing. What a great game. <laughs> Which is not to its detriment, you know. That's part of its appeal. It's like if you've had if you've ever played a PlayStation product, you know, this will tug at it. It's like, oh, I had really fond memories of this. Oh, oh yeah, this is a weird uh, freaking accessory for this thing. Like I had like the PS1 LCD portable monitor or whatever. And it's like, oh yeah, that was a thing. I, and then, like, I, I was sharing this to some friends, like, and one of my friends, like, oh yeah, I had this thing, or my friend had this thing. <laughs> that was definitely something. But yeah, it's just like it's one of those things where it's like I'm playing through it, and I didn't realize, but just how much like PlayStation's legacy is kind of like my gaming legacy kind of snuck up on me. It's like I'm seeing all of these cameos, and you just think, wow, I didn't realize just how much uh, like these games and these hardwares like attached to like Sony and play- the PlayStation brand have been like such a significant part of the games I've played like throughout like however long I've been playing games. It's just there's so much there. It's a joy. You get obviously a lot more out of it if you've been playing PlayStation for a longer time, but it's just a delight not super long, but still meaty enough that it feels like less a tech demo and more a full experience. Like I'd say it took me like four or five hours to get the platinum trophy, which it's short. Yes, but it's completely free. It's a great use of the dual sense controller, which I'm surprised we haven't even talked about the, the actual well, <laughs> we did a bit with like the way the vibrations and the haptic feedback works in demon souls. But like the adaptive triggers are like use utilized really well in um in uh put astro's playroom it's just it, it does it doesn't really well too when uh in, in miles morales when you're swinging around the city like there is like like a feedback uh or resistance when you're swinging around with r2 in it it feels really really good uh on my end yeah so it's just like the dual sense as a controller feels like 100% a massive step up from DualShock 4, which itself was a step up from, I'd say, to DualShock 3. It, and it feels, like, really premium in your hand, too. Like, the DualShock 4, it felt, like, flimsy. It felt like if I tried even slightly hard, I could just tear it in half because it just felt like it would rip apart. The DualSense, it feels weighty it has a heft to it it feels sturdy and it feels really good in your hand like the grips the texture on it like feels really nice the shoulder buttons feel good the face buttons feel good d-pad's all right it's not necessarily something i'd use for like say fighting games but it gets the job done it feels nice even if it isn't does it have does it have heft to it i like yes i like my controllers hefty yes i i hate how light the like i see people talk pretty positively about the pro controller but to me it just feels like i agree so, it feels- so light like it, it, can, it can put a pound on this thing and i probably like it more i don't know yeah it but yeah dual sense has a nice amount of heft to it it feels great to use um i'm not even mad that you can't use uh the dual shot for on playstation 5 games because i don't want to use a dual shot forever again i have to say just to interrupt quickly but yeah how are you holding uh, in there george i this is fantastic news I finally had that moment of giddy excitement, and I had goosebumps hearing James talk about the controller then, because I could imagine me 
guessing it and then there's just something this is the next generation and it just it just got me a bit then i was like oh god i'm so excited don't, don't, don't play actual player room in front of anyone george because there's, there's a lot of mods like oh only 90s kids will understand this so, <laughs> oh but, man like yeah just so, so exciting like i was i'm still annoyed that it's a week late but it's almost nice to not have the anxiety of okay is this thing any good like from the reactions I've heard from you guys and everyone else, I haven't heard much bad about the PS5 at all, and that's that's just really awesome. I'm, I'm also freaking like just amazed at like how quiet this console is. Like I had to like get up really freaking close to hear anything out of it. This thing is. Dead, I've, so. I've heard some people say that their coil whine is annoying, so it seems like it's a little bit of a lottery there. Yeah, so yeah, I, yeah. I do try. I do try to take it with a grain of salt because. Yeah. As typical well, with any console launch, yep. As typical with the console launch, people like the signal boost stuff that you know disparages their opponents, so and so. And like, did you hear that the Xbox crashed when you played this game, or did the PS4 shut down when you played this game? Like, I, th- I, mean, I think it's awesome that the Xbox Series X can wait, dude. I think that's awesome. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it seems it seems like both consoles. There's been a couple reports about some lockups, some issues. You know, first batch of manufacturing, it's going to happen. Seems like there is some software issues with PS5. Hopefully, there is a system software patch soon because I will say that it seems uh, prevalent enough that it's definitely not just like people popping out of the woodworks. It does seem like there's some real legitimate issues with um, rest mode right now and also with uh, external hard drives. We all, so we all I, joke about those late generation stability patches, but right now we'll take them. Give us, give us all the stability patches. <laughs> uh, I yet I well, I did have some trouble like uh, transferring my users and saves from my PS4 Pro. I'll chalk that up to uh, my PS4 Pro was connected to the Wi-Fi halfway across the apartment, so I ended up just like moving it to the living room and hooking up the Ethernet between the two systems, and it worked fine. So I'm just chalking it up to like a shoddy like Wi-Fi connection. That was why. That's fine now. Um, yeah. Otherwise, haven't had any. Well, I did have one game crash last night, and that is a good segue to the. Ironically enough, the game that I've played the most on my PlayStation Five is a PS4 backwards compatible game, East Nine. So. If anyone's read my East Nine review from last year, you'll know that one of my major complaints was that the game did not. I run feel like out. I feel like I'm obligated to come in here. East Nine's coming out in English next year in February. James is talking about the Japanese import. Yes, import. Um, so it didn't run very well. There were some patches, unfortunately, after I finished the game for my for the review that did help the frame rate a bit, though it still dipped during certain fights and the frame pacing was still a mess. So it's still not a great experience on PS4. Uh, so I was very interested to see how the game would run on PS5. And it's basically a lock 60. If it does drop, it's very, very minuscule drops. Basically not noticeable. The frame pacing is rock solid. The game still doesn't look visually great, but there's not much you can do about that without a PS5 specific patch. But it's... I'm I'm having a lot of fun like going back to get the last couple of trophies for the platinum. I'm gonna do a nightmare uh, playthrough probably this weekend, skipping through the cutscenes, and it's a lot of fun. Um, 
But yeah, one really interesting thing about this generation that really separates it from previous generational leaps is the way that backwards compatibility works. Because we've had, well, works. We've had like console generations that have had backwards compatibility before. Like PlayStation 2 could play PlayStation 1 games, the Wii could play GameCube games, et cetera, et cetera. But this is the first generation where specifically prior generation games are enhanced by the next generation consoles in many ways. So like not just Ease 8, well, I mean, Ease 9 runs a lot better. Ease 8 was already rock solid on PS4, so that doesn't really matter. But other games, like I've been reading people say that it feels wrong that EDF5 runs at a lock 60 on PlayStation 5. It's like, and games that might have had like poor review scores because of like running like apps on PS4, like um, Disaster Report, now run a lot better. And it's just amazing to go back to some of these games that might have had real technical issues that are just like a nine day experience on next generation. And some games like Monster Hunter on PS4, like in resolution mode on PS4 Pro, it hovered around 30, but it was an unlocked frame rate. So now you can play it at a pretty much locked 60 FPS in the resolution mode on PlayStation 5. And there's so many games like that. We kind of alluded to how like some games like Days Gone and Ghost of Tsushima have 60 FPS patches, but it's just, it's weird because with previous generations, it was always like, oh, you shouldn't buy a console at launch because you're going to be waiting for these exclusives. But I feel like there's a bit of a different dynamic here, this generation, where even from the get-go, yes, there might not be that many exclusives on Xbox. PlayStation 5 has a decent selection at launch. But even if there aren't these exclusives that are for you right at launch, it feels like there's enough upgrades just from playing some of your old like back catalog games on the new systems that there's a much more compelling argument to pick up the systems earlier on just because you're going to see a noticeable like improvement load times and performance and the way the snappiness of the games themselves it it really does make it easier to say yeah i'm ready to upgrade to next gen whereas in previous generations you it it was a harder it was a harder ask the 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 weight of the of the exclusive game was higher like ps4 Uh, didn't mean as much unless you had something that could only be played on it where now it's like hey even if you've got these you know even if you don't have an exclusive you're really interested in everything you already own will, will run better. And in some cases, like East 9, like significantly. So well, I mean, like let, me, you... let me just state the obvious here. I don't know if we said this uh, straight up, but like PS3 games do not work on PS4. Like oh, that was a big difference. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, was, it was omitted. Yeah. Just <laughs> a tangent, but uh, much like with the Xbox one, the Series X actually allows you to activate dev mode. And so theoretically, somebody could port RPCS3 to UWP and that Zen 2 CPU in the Xbox Series X would be more than enough to ru- emulate some PS3 games. So ironically enough, in a couple of months' time, we might see the Xbox emulating PS3 games, running PS3 games, when the PlayStation 5 does not. The new dynamic now is, hey, we really fucked up last gen with performances, so now we're rectifying it this gen. <laughs> That's the new dynamic. But... <laughs> It's yeah, it's it's really it's really cool that these uh, both these now current gen consoles allow for it like that. I'm I hope that more. I, it's probably not going to happen, but I hope more previous, like say 
previous gen games get patched so the that so they unlock their frame rates like i just look i just want bloodborne at 60 fps man it's why that the disc version of the last guardian yeah is like the base version of that is unlocked frame rate so you can run it at basically like 1800p 60 fps on ps5 but if you buy but if you download the playstation plus collection collection version it's capped at 30 fps now, hopefully Sony does release a patch to uncap the frame rate again, because they've done it for other games that you'd imagine would have taken more work. But And obviously The Last Guardian can run at 60 FPS because it already does so. So hopefully that does happen. But uh, for now, if you want to play uh, The Last Guardian in its best possible state, you have to specifically buy a disc version and prevent it from updating, which is kind of a little weak, but still cool that it exists, I guess. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I was just curious. You brought it up, and I just—I'm surprised I haven't thought about it. How does how does Bloodborne run on a PS5? Does anyone know? No difference. I haven't tested oh, it. Really? I just, it's just it's uh, better. It's faster loading times, but other than that, the performance is basically the uh, same. The shit awful frame pacing is. Still, oh, that's yeah. that's a disappointment. Yeah, it's that's still. If the frame rate still goes to shit when you. Uh, do what when you do that one attack on amygdala see bloodborne strikes me as one of those that is so asked for they know at this point so it's like it's not gonna i think they're gonna do like not a remake but like a remaster like lance mcdonald i want to say that literally proved like with just some tweaks you can run it at 60 fps on ps4 pro so Sony, please. FromSoft, please. 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 Yeah. I I don't like Bloodborne as much as like I don't think it's I'd probably place it like below Dark Souls 3 and how much I liked it, but it's still like people who love that game and I think it's clearly the the pinnacle of that style of game. Yeah. Well, you're locked in a Dark Souls 3 fan because uh, the Dark Souls 3 is now a lock 60 FPS on both current gen. Well, I I, uh, I played it on PC. Uh-huh. Insert insert your Henry Cavill Jeff here <laughs> or whatever. Uh, but, but yeah, it's just, uh, obviously, let's give people who really love that game and it means something really special to them. It'd be awesome to have it as a like the best rendition of itself. Or this is stupidly poetic, but really, give us a definitive edition. There you go. This please. is this, this is a, this is a me problem right here. But the, if there's one big complaint that I have for the PS5 is. So it when you uh, capture video clips on it, you can either have it at MP4 or um, WebMs uh, for the WebM video format. I, that's not like not a lot of places like you know adapt WebMs, but I, I'm a really big fan of Web, WebM for better or worse. So I was like, okay, since this this console can uh, capture uh, and format a WebM, surely it'll allow allow you to at least run videos that you have WebMs of. So I go, I went to the Media Gallery app uh, through my USB stick, I had some WebMs on it. I was like, nah, we're not going to run this shit. No, we don't run outside WebM videos. I'm like, what What the fuck, man? This is, this is fucked up. Oh, so it only, it only, it only run WebMs that it records? Yeah, it, it can record in WebM. So but you can actually set it like most oh, of the But I assume if you record a WebM, you can play it. Yeah, exactly. You just can't play outside one. Okay. Yeah. I understood you. Yeah. 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 
I'm guessing it's a specific like codec they're using for their like in their WebM container that is the only one that works on PS5. So I'm sure if people figure out like what sort of like codecs you need to use, you could probably make WebMs that work on PS5. It would just be a pain in the ass to figure it out like mm-hmm. for days. But yeah. uh yeah. Um codecs are always a pain. So let me yeah. let me let me ask this. After this podcast wraps up, what are what is Josh and what is James going to play next on their PS5? Josh first. I'm gonna continue Demon Souls today and then Miles uh, wrap up Miles Morales either tonight or tomorrow. After lunch. Lunch is important. Yeah, James. Pretty good. <laughs> boring. I'm gonna keep playing East Nine and probably well, I might hey, pick that's up valid. I might pick up Demon Souls, but yeah, East Nine probably. Just got one more playthrough, it looks like, to get that platinum trophy. So it's like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, Lord, George, what are you going to play on your PS5 when you uh, when you join us? That's <laughs> I say us. I, can I include myself in there? I don't know. I don't, you don't have one, so can you really? <sighs> Here I am, but making fun of George, and I'm in the same place. Yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm not even making fun of George at this point. In a, in a really sad twist of fate, all of the games and accessories actually have still come out like uh thursday so i actually have a copy of sackboy the adventure spider-man demon souls my uh 3d pulse headset like i've got all that that is all in my house just sat like <laughs> waiting i think it's I gonna have you, to uh, you should play uh kingdom hearts 3 first i that that's gonna be my first i could try i should try that actually i do have the this version of it i should, I should i've try. heard it better but not noticeable enough that i'm chomping at the bit like inevitably uh, i replay can match again is that if you were used to playing like kingdom hearts 3 at 1080p because if you hooked it up to a 1080p tv it was almost the lock 60 except for like some circumstances uh, if you play it at 4k though like the uh, higher resolution mode it's much better it's basically lock 60 it's not like a native 4k but something like that huh. well uh, the thing is with kingdom hearts 3 it's always one of those that i jump in and out of anyway um, so I'm sure that'll come up at some point. I actually will play Melody and Memory pretty early on into the PS5 life cycle because that's that's still something I'm playing now. So that's going to be one of the first. But it's got to be Spider-Man. Um, like I said before, I think I said last week, I loved uh, Insomniac Spider-Man. So, so good. I was a little bit obsessed with it. And Mars Morales, I, I think the fact that it's shorter could be better. I, yeah, I look- it might be one of my favorites this year, man. Yeah, I'm I'm beyond excited for that. And Sackboy's getting really good like coverage at the moment. Apparently, it's like I've heard the comparison to Super Mario 3D World. Like, and I love Luigi Planet, so you know, give me that. Let's go. The, the one thing oh, I will say that that really bugs me out still about the PS5, especially uh, this controller, it's like the battery life is still pretty bad. Third shock four, but not saying much. Yeah, it's not saying much. It's, it'll still like last like I don't know three hours. Three and a half hours, maybe, like a continuous use. It definitely lasts longer than that. Did you charge it before you started using it the first time? Yeah, it's fully charged, and it's just like I, uh, I, I, maybe, I, maybe, maybe I need to like a uh, like just completely drain its battery and like like uh, and like put a timer on it. But it it feels it still feels short. Yeah, I was gonna say like I've used it for at least like six hours, and then I started getting the. Um, uh, low lower battery warning, so it's like definitely lasts longer than three hours for sure. And I've seen people say it's like usually around eight. So I I don't know what to say. 
Maybe maybe because I I'm playing games that like uh, really put a stress on it, like like with all the adaptive triggers and motors and whatnot, like like Miles Morales and Demon Souls put them like through oh. its paces, especially especially when you're like in one two in Demon Souls and the dragon keeps on go like the, breathing the down the bridge with its fire, like that really puts a stress on the controller. So it might be you know. Well, the thing is, though, is that like most of my playtime yesterday was like going through Raster's playroom, which is even more of a stress on the controller's features. So I don't know what to say. Uh, um, whatever. One thing I do kind of want to briefly touch on before we finally move on to the news. God, we spent so long on the PS5 stuff. Um, <laughs> rightfully so, I guess I should say. Oh, yeah. Um, I, have, I have no qualms with the pace of this so far. Uh, Something that most people probably won't really um, mess around with, but uh, I did actually play a bit, well, played a bit of my PS5 last night using the remote play. Uh, so I actually did use uh, PS4 remote play a surprising amount, like when I was reviewing Iceborne um, for Monster Hunter World last year. I spent a not insignificant amount of my time in the review, like when I was at like my parents, I like used remote play to play it. and. PS4 remote play was all right. It had some latency issues. Um, the um, well, it was playable, but latency was noticeable, and the uh, visual artifacts were definitely noticeable. It was playable. It wasn't so bad, especially on PS4 Pro, but it was noticeable. Uh, PlayStation Five, despite the fact that it hasn't added in like higher resolution like remote play uh, streaming features this time around, two things, and obviously. My setup is like best case scenario. Both my PlayStation 5 and my PC are plugged in over Ethernet. Um, they're in the same connection. But visual artifacts are most of the time not noticeable. Like there's like some instances where you'll like see like a banding effect and like a gradient on a loading screen, or like every so often, like maybe once every 30 minutes, you just see a small blip of artifacts hit and then it's like gone almost immediately. The latency, the input latency, I am surprised. Like, I know it's on the same network, so you shouldn't be surprised that the latency is, like, negligible, but it really is, especially compared to PS4 remote play. If you wanted to play, like, if somebody's, like, using the TV and you wanted to play your PlayStation 5 in a different section of the house, the input latency is not a problem whatsoever. It feels really, really good. And, yeah, yeah. Again, most people aren't going to be using remote play. I feel like it's hey, they might. That that's actually really, really good. Like a really good observation for you. Some people really do rely on remote play. Yeah, so I, I'll have to test to see how it put, feels like over Wi-Fi on like the mobile app. How I feel about it there. Um, but yeah, like for my use case, where like maybe I want to play my PlayStation Five, but I don't want to go into the living room, like until they add a. 1440p support, well, I'm not really missing anything if I stream at 1080p60 to my secondary monitor. It feels really nice, looks really good. Um, for most of when I was playing like a bunch of East 9 last night on it, I just, most of the time I was even forgetting I was streaming it just because it was a very, very good quality and it just felt really nice and responsive. So, yeah. Thank you for, uh, Reporting in on remote play because I don't know if I, I, the last time I did remote play I think was PS4 to PSP sorry PS3 to PSP playing something like uh, Xenogears like one of those PS1 classics 
it just doesn't it just it just doesn't fall into like my realm of like use just just in general so it's cool to see that someone who does actually make a good use out of it make a make a make a you know a a glowing review about it so it's not something completely forgotten even though the vita might be i I should ask to see if i can actually do remote play through the vita to the ps4 and then use the ps5 remote play app i want (laughs) if it works yeah report in let us know yeah all right so are we finally wrapped up on uh impressions on games we've been playing new generation yeah Yeah. so until until george comes back with a vengeance next week yes i'm (laughs) looking forward to that all right so two hours in we'll go into news luckily this works out okay because there's really not a whole lot because everything's centered pretty much around just console launches this week, which we've touched into. Maybe at some point in the future, if we get uh, Alex Seedhouse on here, we'll talk about Xbox. But until then, I don't know if we'll actually get a chance to talk about that, because I don't think that's on any of our immediate pellets coming up. We'll see. I have a quick question. So Xbox, like, what is like the big Xbox game that people are playing? I know there's Assassin's Creed and Yakuza, but like those are on other systems. Yeah. Too, so. Really, any? I don't even think there's any Xbox exclusives launching. Uh, for, for console exclusives, like Gears Tactics. Uh, but pe- people are playing like Gears Five and other things with the with the backwards compatibility. Which yeah, I, I, I saw that Gears Five apparently got a big upgrade. So well, they uh, they upgraded that game even on I think even on Xbox One X where they really shut uh, shifted the loading times down. Like even even like on last gen version, like they did some you know underneath the hood stuff to really make that you know shine but yeah for if you're looking if you're looking for a name of a game that is xbox series the the go-to i don't really think there is one which i think means less this generation than it would yeah, because, previous because microsoft, yeah microsoft is really pushing game pass the this gen yeah Incredible. and the people who have you know a game pass subscription like hey i have all these games i can play and I can play them on a next generation console, but I can you can't play them on the PS5. So, and and a, and a really big thing about Xbox this uh, this time around too is like their backwards compatibility tech is way is like is like remarkably better than Sony's solution. The only issue is that apparently it does still require an online check when you put in a backwards compatible disc. So I, well, I think I'm, it's just I'm, because I'm, it's emulating it and downloading it. So yeah, because so, you have to you have to play it off the SSD. Um, okay, so there's actually something more to that than what you might originally think. So it's not just backwards compatible discs that it needs to check for, but for any next gen Xbox games that says X that has um, smart delivery and has just Xbox on the game box, it technically has the xbox one version on the disc and you need to connect online in order to download the series x uh, assets or series i didn't didn't know that so yeah so for example like yakuza like a dragon if you wanted to play it on xbox series x if you played it offline it would just be the xbox one version and it wouldn't have any of the enhancements. You have to connect online in order to download the stuff that lets it run at the full Series X capabilities. This, to use our favorite idiom, maybe I'm a boiled frog and I'm just like totally connected and always online, but I can't imagine being in a situation where not having my consoles connected to my to the network 
like I don't know. Like I know not everyone has a luxury or they want to be able to play a game and not have to collect online. But to me, that just just falls outside my use realm. Like I, I and now now you're back to the original Xbox One vision. I now yeah. it's. Not- same thing because the X, the original Xbox One vision required like a 24 hour check in. With this, it's just you need to connect online once to download the assets, then you're good to go. And I think that's fine. So, I always want to check in though. I, I sort of agree with Brian where it's like it's bad in the sense that it should, like, universally, it shouldn't have to be an issue, but like. I can't imagine a world where, say, I don't have internet, or say I have internet problems. My first worry is going to be next-gen systems. You know, like if I don't have internet, I'm not going to be like, oh, dang, like I can't, I can't download my update for like a dragon. I'm probably going to be a bit more worried about like. I'm the sort of person where, first of all, like as when I do get a next-gen console, I probably like wired in with Ethernet, Cat Cat Seven cable. Is, are they up to seven now? Or is it eight? I don't know. Um, I'll probably wire it up right away. Like that's just how I operate. Like time to connect this thing up. Like it's just I think of it as like first power, then 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 network. There you go. Um, so oh, that's, yeah, just... that's, that's that's important. That's an important question. When you hook up your systems, what's the order? Is it power, uh, HDMI, or video input, or output, whatever, and then LAN cable, or is it like only those are? those two and then wi-fi like what's the order of operation when you get a new system um, power hdmi and uh, LAN cable i think i'm the same though i could see like power being last <laughs> like if you're like a crap i don't know if i have enough slots on my on my power strip what do you got adam and george well i got what power uh, first i'd say yeah uh... i don't know so do you uh, go ask it do you hook your console up to your monitor or TV first or to the power first? I don't pay attention. I don't know. <laughs> I like, what happened <laughs> both? All right. I like, guy, I like, I like the honestness like, of that answer. Like yeah, this guy, this guy just doesn't give a fuck. He's just like, oh. <laughs> All right, news topics. Sure, I'm whichever just, I'm just gonna, have to be close to. I'm just going to push <laughs> this through. I'm just going to open the gate. News topic. Falcom is making another Trails game before September of next year. No, <laughs> I guess I'm. This. I'm not like surprised they're making another game, but it's just kind of like you know. Of course, I wonder. Like I, you know, they've been doing one main game a year for a long time now. It's like well, they have other franchises in East, which well, saw East Nine, but then like, I don't know. Is, is this is this all? Uh, man, I'm trying to remember now. Was there a, a time period where they just they? Uh, made trails games consecutively uh each year or was it always trails then something else then trails again or no i think one and two trails of cold steel one and two came out in consecutive years and then three and four yeah okay like after a break i also feel like it's worth noting this isn't on the podcast stock but it's more than that they are making a new trails title next year but they were saying that they want to release more than one game next year which is actually pretty big yeah. Oh, so the, the, but the, like, the, is it just going to be a port or actually like two new, brand new games? Yeah. It's yeah. time for Tokyo Xana 2. Yeah. Oh, I mean, geez. I expect it eventually. But yeah, I, I don't know what that, that actually means in the context of Falcom because they're they're also the ones who release like uh, the Crossbell series to PS4 and that, those kind of like quote unquote new releases. I'm going to make a prediction. 
because Falcom's already kind of hinted that they want to do a PS5 update for East 9. I think one of those games is going to be a PS5 upgrade slash new version for East 9. What the, what does that entail though? The, the they does that just be like, hey, it's with all the DLC. Apparently, this the, oh, that there is DLC. Well Remember that East 8 originally came out on Vita and then it came out on PS4 and it came with it with it came a slew of upgrades. Like and Tokyo, so Tokyo Xanadu also had a Vita to PS4 upgrade. And that one actually they gave like a new title and has like an epilogue and all that. So I definitely say that um, there's precedent for there to be massive upgrades with uh, both content and like polishing things up. So it would I would be interested to see what they add. And it seems clear that they have at least thought about it. So it feels like inevitable that it's going to happen and. Knowing how big Falcom is and how they've been releasing one game a year almost for the last like five years, like the only times that they've released more than one game a year is when they've released like a port or enhanced version. Like Tokyo Xandu EX Plus came out the same year that East 8 Vita came out. So it makes sense to me. That they're trying to release more than one game this year, they've hinted that they want to do an update for East Nine. That that's going to be the other game that comes out in 2021. Nah, it's going to be East Eight Mobile. Let's not cast that out. I mean, it's not them; it's Lion Kong Entertainment. Hey, that's yeah, the Kong release. Um, I, I guess the only the only thing that really makes me interested about a new Trails release is. The promise of their new engine because they they showed a little bit of what that new engine looks like at the end of uh not cold steel 4 it's the hajimari on nikiseki which is the after expect it falcom please for the love of god get rid of the bonding event system yeah so i uh, hopefully romances yeah hopefully you know hopefully the next trails game is more akin to like older trails games let's say that's what i'm hoping for I just kind of want it to be different, almost just to be different. Like, try yeah, something new. It, yes, I would love it to be, as the, uh, like, just bonkers uh, different, but I don't know. Like, uh, I don't even me. mind the bonding events, really, like, as, like, trying it out for a few games. But it's like, okay, after four games with them, like, let's just do something a little different now. Yeah. But I really want to see what that new engine looks like in action, like, during gameplay that looks somewhat promising in the little teaser that they did. Um, and yeah, like you said, hopefully something totally different. Like the further and, removed from <laughs> the current uh, mythos and lore, and I know it won't ever be fully, but like, I kind of hope that it's just like something, how do I word this? Something where it's just separate, put a good amount of separation between whether it's Calvard. Have they said that it for sure is going to be Calvard, or is that going to be? For sure. It's for uh, sure going to be Calvard. They they already have at least like a teaser image for that. Like don't don't start filtering in like remember this character or this area or this person or this thing or this place like until like later in the series. To alarm you, but we already know about at least a couple of returning characters. (laughs) I'm immediately like deflated. Just like uh, I don't know. It's just I don't I don't feel like the whole idea of. I don't know how to word this like tactfully. I don't. I don't get excited when it's like, remember this character from this game you played? Yay! Hooray! Like, uh, I don't know. That only that's uh, to me. It's just like junk food. Like this whole whole like 
cameo or crossover or what it's not a crossover because it's the same series Sorry, but that whole, I, I, that whole thing doesn't crossover. travel very far for me okay so instead of instead of like having their their east versus, versus sorry the kiseki like spin-off fighting game, just make the fighting game like part that's that's just the gameplay of the next mainline game it's a fighting game fuck you <laughs> that's what it should be uh, it would probably would, make it more interesting yeah i i'm i'm i can't come up with a good counter argument like man that would be something different that would be bold that would be uh, it'd be, it'd be out there. But all right, uh, we will see what we'll be following at least on our shores in the West after Cold Steel Four. Is it going to be Hajimari or is it going to be this new series in Calvard or is it going to be finally Crossbell? Who who the heck knows? We also kind of touched on this earlier on the podcast, but yes, Neo Two, uh, we got its final DLC is out in December. The name of that is, I don't have the page up, so I'm going to have to talk through this as I uh, delay. It is called The First Samurai. It's coming out on December 17th. So that is the third of three DLCs for Neo 2. And then it is also getting a PlayStation 5 and PC Complete Edition on February 5th. So you are welcome for me having just now, like, I think I decided, this was announced like a few days ago, November 13th. But I think I decided like last night that I had kind of done everything I want to do on Neo 2. So, of course, now there's a PC version, you know, earmarked in the works. So, you are welcome. You're welcome. Yes. Thanks, Brian. Thank you for completing a video game. <laughs> you know, it's, it's, a, it's a tall order. It's a, it's a big ask. It is. Yeah. It's in, the, in the era of service games or whatever, I still have Monster Hunter installed, and I still have, like, I still think, I, st- I still have Division 2 installed, which I haven't been in, in like, <laughs> four months, five months. But anyways, uh, Neo 2, I remember this game was kind of weird because it, it was always kind of billed as a PlayStation exclusive and it still sort of is. But now it's got that weird, it's the same, I guess it's in the same place as its original game. It's the PS4 slash yeah. PS5 in this case, PC dual release. I mean, just for a little bit of behind the scenes stuff, like for the Neo games, when they release on PlayStation, all of the PR and marketing stuff, even on our end, um, is all handled by Sony, like Sony Interactive. That it's it's not Koei Tecmo until it gets to PC, kind of kind of like those Nintendo localized Dragon Quest stuff or, or Square Enix stuff. Like okay, we love exclusivity contracts. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, the, has the kind of the typical you know gamut of bonuses for both PC and or PS5, um, 4K resolution, 120 FPS, faster loading times, supports the PS5 activity feature. I actually don't know what that is. Well, what for it? what it's worth, um, I'm not sure. I, I I didn't look at the specifics of this or if they even clarify, but like the PC version of Neo 1 does not run at 120 FPS. It's, it's, it's locked to 60. So like does the PS5 version, can that go up to 120 for the first Neo? I don't know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, I guess that... I don't. I wasn't clear. But yeah, the first Neo will also get... Um... Some PS5 enhancements. I'll, I'll be downright honest to you guys. I still have no idea what the fuck 120 hertz or frame rate. Oh right, like. because of your uh, your displays. Yeah, I just it, I can't even fathom it. But also supports it, really the dual sense. Just supports 3D audio, HDR. I, I feel like I've very very quickly become like a Neo stan. <laughs> like <laughs> it's, it's like you started it like two weeks ago and like wow, it's Neo, a good game. It's a good game, Brent. <laughs> and yeah, you're just like, I was, I, I, yeah, two weeks here, like, I was the first Neo fan. I was like, <laughs> <laughs> but, 
let me just put it this way. Whenever they announce a Neo 3 or a Neo follow-up or a series in the same vein from the same people, like I'll probably be there like right away and not wait for forever to get to Are you going to play the first one? Maybe eventually. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the first I'm one. What kind of fan are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Anyways, it's coming out December, the last DLC, and the PS5 version, PC version next year. So auspicious that it showed up when it did. All right, none of the other updates are nearly as exciting for the week. They're more just clerical things as typical. Um, Fallout 76 is getting a new update, calling calling itself the Steel Dawn, which it has the typical like new story, new quest, new characters, blah, blah, blah. Um, I guess I'm the only person that's really qualified to speak on Fallout 76. I'm hard to, it's hard to get excited about this one specifically because Wastelanders... Is, is, this, is the, this just them being um, like, everyone loves the Brotherhood of Steel. Here's the Brotherhood of Steel. That would kind been. of. I, I see some people like say Bethesda just really loves the Brotherhood of Steel and they can't keep them out of anything. But Interplay did also release like one or two specifically Brotherhood of Steel like spinoffs. So uh, it's not. It's basically they've been both both publishers have been dipping into that well since the series existed. But I was going to say that this 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 one's hard to get excited for as much because Wastelanders had that big, weird, admittedly, but big like NPCs are back. We're going to make this feel more like a single player game. Like it'll have actual quest lines and things like that from from characters. Where this doesn't have that hook. This is just more. This is just a new quest line involving this faction it doesn't have a big paradigm shift like wastelanders did so it has the brotherhood of steel well yes it has it has the brotherhood of steel uh so Do i people probably... like them just because they have like these gigantic suits is that why I, I think so to be honest like they have this very unique easily identifiable you know image like you can look at something and, and even, even if you haven't they're, played they're, fallout they're, you can like look, look at that look at that brotherhood of steel and from top to bottom their suits steel yes. <laughs> but they're the, they're the sort of they're the sort of faction where even if you've ever played fallout you can see an armor set and be like yep that, that looks like a fallout you might not be able to say brotherhood of steel but that's like that is fallout it looks like uh, a fallout <laughs> yeah i'll probably play through this and try to be like honest about it and i i'm, I'm not as excited uh, but I will play through it because I, I do kind of like seeing the growth over. I mentioned in a in previous podcast how Fallout 76 has this really slow, almost imperceptible, like meteoric stepping up where it's finally like going from like it's pulling itself out of the pit that it was placed in two years ago, two years ago today, I think. Um, so hopefully this is another step out of that pit, which is like in itself not exciting, but maybe over the course of time, this will just be another stair step to being a good game. I don't know. That's like a very low bar, but I, I will play. say that you thought Wastelanders was an improvement, but not like gigantic one. I've seen other people be, say, you know, a little bit more positive than you were. Like, wow, I've seen, I've seen now. Some, people like to go to the extremes and they're like, Fallout 76 was dog shit, but now it's great. I'm just like, uh, it was disappointing and now it's less disappointing. Like, I don't, maybe that's just a little bit too, like, <laughs> cautious, but, like, I don't like to always just go to the extremes. I, I, okay, think about it like this. At some point, it's like, it's like increments, right? It's like, it's getting less, less disappointing, less disappointing, less disappointing. And at some point, 
it'll tip over. It's like it's getting a, a little bit better. It's starting to be better, then a little bit better. It's well, like, yeah. And you almost won't notice it like when you arrive there because it'll, it'll be slow, so like metered, slow, so, so just such a slow ramp. But I'm hoping once we get there, it'll be like, you know what? It ended up okay, or maybe even great. So we'll see. So I, I will play through this and I'll probably write up something. I don't know if it'll be a scored review, but we'll see. Oh, that's uh, did I ever say the date? Um, Steel Dawn, December, December 1st. So we'll see. Hopefully, it's good. We also have a new date for Dragon Ball Z Kakarot, A New Power Awakens Part 2. So two of, I think, planned three DLCs uh, is coming on November 17th. So not too long from now. What is today's date? The 14th? So next Tuesday. Um, and this is the one that introduces um, Super Saiyan Blue or Super Saiyan God, Super Saiyan, whichever one you want to call it. So going <laughs> into the uh, still the technically power, Dragon Ball. Yeah, still technically Dragon Ball Z and not Dragon Ball Super. Because Blue was announced with the second movie, Return of Frieza. What's it called? Resurrection oh, yeah. F. Resurrection. I'm talking about yeah, yeah, sure. If you say so. <laughs> it's it's that weird Super Z crossover period. Mm. So um, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna remind you all that like a couple commenters just got like really mad at me when I said like for the first DLC like it introduces the Super Saiyan God mode from Dragon Ball Super and they're like no oh, it's from no. a Dragon Ball Z movie <laughs> oh. <God>. okay <laughs> so you, you are technically correct yeah you are you are correct reasoning the like uh, not not the, this is just gonna be a pointless rant that no one cares to hear, but I'm gonna do it anyway the reasoning there is that some people didn't like the direction that Super went in. So in the same way that some people don't consider GC canon, some people don't consider Super canon. So if you claim... So they're trying like, to claim the movies. Like, the movies are canon, yeah. but the show is not. Oh. Yeah, they're, they're trying to claim that the two really cool power-ups, Super Saiyan God and Super Saiyan Blue, are canon. Like, no matter what you believe, it's canon. To so, be fair, the uh, the super retelling of the second movie of Resurrection F is absolute garbage. Like, it, yeah. you, you take the biggest Dragon Ball fan out there, and they will agree that Dragon Ball Super's first like forty episodes or thirty episodes are just dog shit. They're just terrible. Like, even relative to that series, with it being just like a popcorn series. But anyways, to get to get back on track, uh, a new DLC for. Uh, a surprisingly, it's a 2020 RPG release, Dragon Ball Z Kakarot. Reach way back in your memory to remember when that released. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, George reviewed it for us. Uh, it's, get, it's, it's getting another DLC uh, next week. So, still being supported. So, I don't know if it'll make a lot of waves in RPG of the Year stuff, but it is I there. Just find it really weird that people are trying to discard Dragon Ball Super like GT when it's like. The whole reason that GT was discarded was that Toriyama was behind it. Toriyama's behind Super. You can't do that. It's canon. Just get over yourself. Well, Some then people, people then people then people argue that Toriyama writes like a, an outline and then Toei adapts it in their anime, and then um, Toyotaro, the manga writer, adopts it for his manga in a different way. And then which one of those two adaptions is canon? Well, both or neither? <laughs> There's really no correct answer. I, I think. When it comes to this sort of thing, I'd say this about all things, like, when you try and consider canon. Like, how many hoops do you have to jump through to, like, enjoy something? Like, like GT was kind of dumb, but, you know, it's, Dragon Ball is dumb. 
Like, yeah. I, love it. Uh, I like that tagline. Dragon Ball is dumb. Just that that's, our, that's our podcast title, even though we talk about other things. <laughs> Next gen is good. Dragon Ball is dumb. There you go. What, what I learned is that Adam is as much of a Dragon Ball fan as uh, uh, Brian is to, as a, to a Neo fan. Yes. <laughs> Here's one uh, that I don't know much about, but it's on the podcast talk, so I'm obligated to read it. Uh, Konosuba, God's Blessing on This Wonderful World, Fantastic Days, that's the whole title, is a free-to-play mobile RPG releasing worldwide in 2021. Uh, yeah, I guess I can, I can speak to, uh, to this. It, this was a, a game that released, I think, either it was it earlier this year or last year in Japan. February 27th. Um, okay, so earlier this year in Japan. Uh, from the Japan. Japan. Yeah, from the developers of uh, SumZap, um, or the, the developers are SumZap, and the game is very structured, like uh, on the surface, like Princess Connect Redive. Uh, to anyone who's played it out there, um, it's very like it's not it's not like an auto battler as much as Princess Connect Redive, but it's uh, like a turn-based RPG side scroller type. You you deal with enemies in waves. Your characters are at the right, um, and uh, enemies at the left, and then you can use like basic attack skills. Uh, and whatnot, but then there's this whole thing of like how you upgrade your their weapons and equipment, and you can uh, expend stamina in the game to kind of uh, do auto farming for you if you three star a stage. Um, I'm trying to remember what what else because I played it a little bit, but uh, it was uh, blocked uh, eventually. Like to uh, it it blocked a lot of a lot of regions, uh, so I no longer have access to it. It's a it's a cute game. It's a if you like the Konosuba uh, light novels or anime series, um, it's fun. Uh, I think the the biggest um, fear out of this is the ones uh, localizing this worldwide is uh, Nexon. Nexon is a pretty infamous uh, mobile game publisher uh, in that field because they're they're very um, greedy. Let's say they they're ones that will kind of uh, like overcharge for stuff and kind of leave out features that sometimes uh, to, to later introduce them. Um, sometimes they'll kind of tweak like events to kind of be, let's say, unfair. Like, and and a, a lot of the like subtle changes they make that kind of alter like the balance or the gameplay flow uh, of the game and also like how the way they like compensate players for like, say, like, you know, maintenance and stuff, and a lot of players expect, like, you know, like, uh, the gems for their gacha banner. Sometimes they'll, they'll, they'll be very stingy about that. A lot of the subtle changes they make to their uh, publishing, to the games they publish, uh, leads them to... Uh, this is very nickel and dimey. Yes, and very, it leads to early closures. Like, I know one of their recent games, like, I think it was called Overhit or something, that only lasted, like, maybe... A year, a year and a half, and like it's just one of those things that like Nexon has been around for so long and like has done these practices consistently, um, makes makes them very uh, sketchy. They were like uh, they were originally the ones that were, that were supposed to localize Sino Alice in the West until like maybe. Um, I want to say like maybe two or three days before it was supposedly supposed to launch last year. Uh, th that that thing was 
just was wiped until like it released like nearly a year later um because the original developers had to get back that license from them it's weird but yeah i i'd say if you if you like the the anime or the light novel definitely give it a shot because there there are it's a really fun little game but um i'd be very uh if you're if you're thinking about spending money of it, uh, I'd say kind of wait a bit and see how Nexon manages it because Nexon isn't a great mobile game publisher. I don't Again, play like mobile the... games, but I've sort of gathered whenever I like post any like update or news about a Nexon game, someone on Twitter or somewhere like replies like "God damn it, Nexon!" or "Damn it!" <laughs> yeah. So it's like I like I've sort of gathered spot. that okay, they don't people don't like Nexon. They've earned their <laughs> reputation for sure. And again, the full game, just, just to state it without joke, is Konosuma, God's Blessing on this Wonderful World, Fantastic Days, coming out yeah. in 2021. It released For in Japan last February. Uh, here's a quick footnote. Hellpoint, which is a game we brought up briefly in the talk about Souls Likes, is getting a next-gen port for both PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X in 2021. It will support... Uh, both a performance mode with a dynamic 4K resolution, 60 frames per second, and then a quality native 4K, 30 frames per second. So if you want wait, more wait. Souls-likes... Is there, is there any option for 60 frames or for this game? The, sorry, did I say it wrong? It's performance mode is dynamic 4K okay. at 60 frames per second. Okay. And quality mode is native 4K at 30 frames per second. Okay, maybe I missed that. All right. So the, so uh, the trade... The trade-off is just dynamic 4K or native 4K. To circle back to what Josh was saying way earlier in the podcast, uh, I think Hellpoint is another perfect example of like a 6 out... Well, I gave it a 6 out of 10 when I reviewed it. Um, and I feel like so many people are quick to write off a 6 out of 10, like to go, oh, not worth my time. But like that, that's still pretty good. Like I, I enjoyed Hellpoint. I just don't think it's very original. Um, so, yeah, might, might be... Uh, might be- it was some of the technical issues straightened out a bit more. Maybe maybe even a seven. Ooh. I'm fully on board with how do I word this? Personally, I, playing bad games or bad, even bad is like too strong a word. Playing games that aren't, you know, sterling, that aren't, you know, the pinnacle of their genre or whatever. Sometimes it's good to play a game that have obvious, clear, very easy to point out shortcomings because then it, this sounds super cliche, but I do think there's a negative truth to it. Then you really, when something, when a game does do it really well, it sticks out. It stands out. You know, you have that frame of reference where it's like, I, I, I've played this other game, which didn't do certain things very, you know, very well or to, you know, in a way that was very fun or very, you know, exciting. So I'm totally on board with playing games that are six out of tens or even less. And the last note I have on here is uh, a release date for Poison Control, which is the uh, Nice America game, or sorry, Nipponichi game, uh, which is like Persona crossed with. What would you cross it with? Almost esque, Splatoon esque, with the with a uh, somewhat of a Persona Five esque design blemishes on top. It's I don't know. That's a really unique art style. I really like. I really like what I see of it. Anyway, Poison Control is coming out on. Uh, April 13th in North America, April 16th in Europe. So seems like an interesting little smaller scale, nice, you know, nice game. It's, I don't know. It's, it seems interesting enough for, it's a very kind of a simple premise, 
kind of it has a very distinctive art style and color palette. That's it's. I can look at the front page of the RPG site website and know immediately if it's an article about poison control, which sounds kind of dumb, but not every game can say that. Some games kind of blend in to, to their environment where this game doesn't. So one, I, you know, I think moving forward, I'm not saying that the like poison control will be like, it'll be affected, but I'm just thinking of like how this will affect things behind the scenes for like what games will we test on like PS4 versus versus PS5 backwards compatibility. Like, East Nine, for example, was like a very different experience and part of the it's gonna be weird like taking into account, okay, this is how it runs on PS4 on last gen versus this gen now and I, I tested this game on PS5 or something and does that uh, does the review uh encompass both versions right the, the detail here that Josh is getting at is that poison control is reaching uh, releasing for uh PlayStation 4 Nintendo Switch. And normally at the bottom of any review that we write, um, we'll say what, what platform we've tested it on. You know, that's just, of course, we're going to say that. So we might have to have like a caveat, like we played the PS4 version on PS4 or on PS5. Or like, or like PS5 backwards compatibility on like the platforms tested or something. It's going to be weird. Because not, not everyone's going to be like on next gen immediately, obviously. So we have to take this account. I think so. Kind of a not real a behind the scenes thing, but I don't. Well, have we assigned somebody for East? No, yeah, yeah. Josh, you're on for East Nine's uh, Western review, and you have a PlayStation Five. Do you still have your PS4? Even? Yeah, I do have both of them still, so I, I can do it. I, do, you, I do you do you have your PS3? <laughs> I do. I have <laughs> my closet. I have my PS2, PS1 in the closet also. Oh. I, I can. I can just use my PS1. Put your so, D9 disc in your PS1 and tell us what happens. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of more alluding to like just moving forward. Because, hmm. like we mentioned earlier, backwards compatibility is a very different kind of philosophy this time around. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know. Well, I guess we'll, well talk about it. <laughs> yeah, that, that kind of covers like. Uh, um, we covered all the news in like 20 minutes because there really wasn't a whole lot because everything was all focused on um, on console releases and orders and errors on the Target website <laughs> or whatever. Oh, bots Kingdom snacking Heart. up. Yeah, and Kingdom Hearts and Death Stranding, surprisingly. <laughs> um, I'm totally glad to hear that, though. So uh, any closing thoughts on the PS5 or Next Gen or, or, any, or Death Stranding or Neo? Anything we've yeah. talked about? Can't really call them closing thoughts when we're going to be back into the jungle next week when uh, George uh, gushes for an hour about his. Yeah, it's, it's going to be hard. Yeah, gush about it all you want, dude. When you when you get it, it's it's. Uh, I'm always uh, happy when uh, you get to like when we talk about these things. Um, next also be a uh, well, to see how it goes. But I might talk a bit about melody of memory or stuff as well. So it'll be yeah, more week next um, week. We kind of we kind of breached the subject where we did talk about on the Cold Steel forecast. A, we had a clear section marked as spoilers. So if we want to do a Kingdom Hearts Melody Memory spoiler section just for like 20 minutes or whatever, totally on board. We can always timestamp it as a spoiler, clearly mark it. Because awesome. I'm the sort of person where it's like I've I've kept up to date on the Kingdom Hearts story until until now. I don't know yet what Melody Memory adds. So I'm, I'm eager to learn about it. It'd be more interesting to learn about it in a podcast than just like YouTube, the ending or whatever. 
Or maybe, hell, I could play it myself. That's always an option. Yeah, I'm excited to see what true current generation exclusives look like when games are just yeah. designed them up, uh, taking full use of what's inside these devices. Yeah. Say that again, James? Excited for that Ratchet and Clank. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. When's that? February? Or is it not dated? That's it's, dated, it's release window, which is oh, like... Yeah. Uh, it's probably January, February, one of the two. Yeah, but it's going to be it's gonna be a really interesting generation to uh, go through. Very it'll interesting. Be, it'll be interesting to see if Microsoft can... They've got they've got their ceiling kind of set really high. Can they reach it? There's been times before where they've failed to do that, but I think look, now look, is their, their best chance. Microsoft's in a really awesome position because they have Game Pass and they don't have like the 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 weird stigma that they established at the Xbox One early on. Like well well into like maybe three to four years into the, like the previous generation, like there were still people there that like thought that Xbox One always had to be online. Like yeah. that, that always stuck with them. I it off. High school, uh, literally like over a year after the uh, Xbox One came out, went to trade in a game at GameStop and asked the clerk, "Hey, what do I have to do? I know like the always online things." Said, no, <laughs> that was literally patched in before launch. It's like, yeah. So people really didn't get the memo for quite a bit. <laughs> they were unfortunately well. For me, anyways, unfortunately, someone who's been a really big fan of several Western RPGs from the studios that are now under Xbox, apparently, just have like a near a near vice grip on that. I'm excited to see, but that's like 2022 or so, so it's kind of just you know holding pattern until then. At least they'll all be released on uh, Game Pass and PC. Yeah. So we have the two reviews that we mentioned of Sakuna of Rice and Ruin and Kingdom Hearts Melody of Memory. We've got all the news stories that we talked about. Uh, we don't have anything on the website yet specifically about PS5, but I guess stay tuned and they'll they'll filter in shortly. Uh, how do I, what else do I need to include here? I, you can join our Discord channel if you go to our webpage and click the Discord link at the top. You can uh, go to our, di- our follow us on Twitter at RPG Site or on YouTube at RPG Site Net. The most recent video there is just me playing about 90 minutes of Neo 2 like an absolute coward. So go ahead and check that out. And we'll probably try to put up some other videos of other stuff that we're playing, maybe on PS5. We'll see. Uh, one second here, just really quick. Checking something. Da, 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 da. He's checking okay. Walmart. Yeah, never mind. Um, I have no idea what we're going to do for casual mode. So, yeah. All right. Stay tuned. We'll, we'll have something for you either this week or next. Um, and we'll have another podcast next week where we'll talk more about PS5 and Melody of Memory and what else, whatever else comes up. Maybe Yakuza if I get to that. So until then, take care, stay safe, stay indoors if you can, and we'll talk to you next Play time. Play Yakuza. Play Yakuza.